You don't like me, Bond. You don't like my methods. You think I'm an accountant. A bean counter more interested in my numbers than your instincts. The thought had occurred to me. Good. Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. A relic of the Cold War. Whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Point taken. Not quite, 007. If you think for one moment I don't have the balls to send a man out to die, your instincts are dead wrong. I've no compunction about sending you to your death. But I won't do it on a whim, even with your cavalier attitude towards life. Do you expect me to talk? Welcome to another exciting episode of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca. As always, with me are Chris and Dave. Hi. Hello. Good evening, folks. How are you guys doing? I'm okay. I'm okay, Becca. And um, I've just eaten a whole packet of bourbons. <laughs> ready and raring to go. <laughs> ready and raring. Well, we're going to travel back in time this evening, back to the 1990s, 95 to be precise. And we're talking about GoldenEye. Yeah. My, my first cinematic Bond film. <gasps> oh god, is... even older than me Oh god <laughs> yes. And I'm older than both of you But <laughs> So it was actually my third Very exciting, very exciting Yeah Did you see, So you saw View to Kill your first, wasn't it? Yeah, license, uh, Living Daylights, License to Kill was a 15 Couldn't see it Oh yes, of course yeah. oh. Were, you, were you kind of gutted by that? Not really. And we talked about this last week. None of the none of the build up to last. Yeah, but yeah, last week was like a month ago. (laughs) Uh, Well, it was two and a half weeks ago actually. Yeah, yeah. but uh, we'll we'll have missed a week by the time this is released. But that's all we'll have missed, and we're back on schedule now. Cool. But no, there there was no particular. I don't remember any particular pain over the fact I couldn't see the previous one with this. There was a little bit of excitement, but it was mixed with a slight hint of curiosity factor, mm. I think, because nobody knew if this was going to work after six years. For me, I mean, I, at the time, because, uh, you know, given time, like, the only, I, I kind of vaguely knew that there was a license to kill when I was very young, and then that was, and then that was it, so it felt like, it, it felt like age, it felt like longer than it actually was for me, because I was... I would have been it's relative to your age because yeah because like yeah. I'm, I'm like basically like growing up on Bond films what only like be able to watch them and tell from a very young age the fact that it was a new Bond film in the cinema was very exciting to me so mm. like a new Bond uh, you know uh, you know it felt like oh my god it's it, it's bringing them back and that's, it's, I suppose it's kind of why I said like you know it felt it feels like it, it felt like a reboot because it kind of was it felt like the the, the it, they, were, they were picking, yeah, they were picking up from where they, where they left off, essentially, really. But it, everything about this is different, though. Everything yeah. is different from what we had last week. I mean, I know Becca sort of made a few notes about firsts, and, and we'll, we'll let sort of Becca lead that in a in, in a moment, certainly. Spoiler alert! But it feels very, very different, and a long time has elapsed. I mean, behind the scenes, you've got no Cubby Broccoli anymore. He's still alive at this point, but he's listed as presenter. He's handed over the reins. His last act really was the casting of Brosnan. So at this point, you've got 
the creative team that's been in place since the start has gone. Richard Maybaum's gone. Uh, after five entries, John Glenn's been, we believe, fired. Um, fired? Yeah. Um, we've got that a different... harsh when you say it like that. Was, uh, he, was, was he fired or was he Yes, just... he was fired. October 1990, him and Richard Maybaum were fired. Oh. Which is real gratitude, isn't it, for yeah. three fantastic... Yeah, well, Richard Maybaum was quite old at that time, wasn't he? I mean, I don't, I don't, did he not, like, pass away? Or he was still alive at this point, oh, I believe. Somebody may correct me on that, um, because I certainly read the, that information more with the sort of John Glenn Bent than Richard Maybell. But certainly the, the, the series looks different when it comes back, um, and even the sort of promotional tie-ins are very different than what, what was there before they went away. Um, so yeah, I think I'd go along with that, Chris. It's a reboot. It's a rebranding. Rebranding in every sense of the word. Yeah, uh, I, I guess that is a way. I mean, I, I mean, I, I can kind of. I mean, it sounds harsh. We say John Glenn was fired, yeah. but you know, the guy. Yeah, it does make, sound a bit harsh. The guy, the guy did make like five bomb films previously, and given yeah, suddenly so to be turned out. Yeah, and given the time lapse, it just felt it. It would have felt right to sort of to have a different spin on it. I guess you know, you're right, but he wasn't fired in '94. No. He was fired in the middle of what would have been the usual sort of cycle, and in fact, mm. probably where pre-production might have started. Yeah. So uh, they did not expect this to take until 1995. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, the the six-year hiatus was not expected upon the release of *License to Kill*. I mean, like you know, there were even talks about um, like it's like John Landis as director and things like that for. Yeah, I heard John Landis was certainly on their shortlist. Can't uh, see him directing a bomb. That film. would have been a very yeah. different film altogether. I mean, well, is it literally because he directed Spies Like Us? It had spies. Yeah, that, that was it. Like, well, that's much. good enough. Yeah, yeah but, he, but he's not choice of director because he's got broad sort of sensibilities in comedy and horror, and you know, he's quite. He has done a wide range of stuff. Yeah, uh, and his films normally look and feel quite interesting. But, I think to, to go into obviously having done like spies like us to move into kind of like a spy genre, it would have been a completely different beast. I think well, that's at, at this point we hadn't even outside been outside the British Isles for a director. No, mm. so it would have been a big, big leap to go to an American. We still haven't gone outside the Commonwealth, but at this point we, it, we you know, we'd only had a handful and they were all British. So I, I mean, they might have got, they might have gone with it. I don't know. The delay was was a number of issues. I mean, firstly, tensions between Eon and, and the MGM as a studio were brewing because Eon perceived that MGM under promoted License to Kill, and as someone as was who was around at the time, I think I'd go along with that. I, th- I think this film was not particularly aggressively marketed, particularly when you look at the... It was the summer of Batman, and that was everywhere. Um, but after that, it was more the fact that MGM had hit financial trouble, and the owner of Pathé, a guy called Giancarlo Peretti, who, <laughs> when you read up on him, it says things like he had a long history of uh, fraud and stuff like that. It's, Sounds dodgy. You just think, well, where was the due, due diligence on any of this? But he came in and wanted to buy out the studio or merge, actually. It was going to be MGM Pathé instead of MGM UA. And he wanted to sell off television rights to the MGM catalogue in order to leverage the buyout. I don't understand how you can do that. I don't know how you can use the thing you're buying to fund you buying it. 
presume I thought you would have mm-hmm. to buy actually buy it first, but uh, the, certainly uh, Eon and Dan Jack, who are the publishing company that sit behind them, took the view that not only was the price too low, but the deals he was doing, which would have been things like a Bond film a week on a certain channel, was devaluing the series. So it headed into lawsuits for about the next three years. So that accounts for like ninety to ninety three. And then, and then the rest of the delay is getting scripts out and all the rest of it. MGM came, went, but reverted to being uh, the whole pathway thing fell through. It reverted back to being MGM United Artists, and at that point, uh, Kirk Kerkorian was back in charge. And I'm given to believe that he didn't want Dalton because Dalton's films had underperformed. They wanted a fresh face and a new start. And then you've got the whole business of casting and scripting. And certainly the first few drafts of, of GoldenEye took longer than anyone expected. So that largely explains why it took till 1995. But there's a certain justice in Brosnan getting his bite of the cherry after having done all the promotion for or all the pre-production stuff for license, uh, for The Living Daylights and then having to drop out. He was, he was trapped by his um, Remington Steel script as well, wasn't he? By, well, there's a kind of clause in between. We talked was... about this during the Living Daylights. So the, the gist of the story is, and I'll, I'll tell the whole thing again, but they had a 60... Remington Steel was cancelled. Uh, they had 60 days to renew, and right at the end of that period, they did, largely because word was getting out that he was the new James Bond. So they renewed it because there was a load of excitement. He then had to drop out. Ratings dropped away, and it was cancelled five, five episodes later anyway. So they kind of like shot themselves in the foot, didn't they, really? They, they really did. Yeah, it's like, well, okay, well, we just took <laughs> took away the, the only draw we possibly had, you know. Yeah. So it's like they, they could have easily just said like, <laughs> like could have struck a deal with uh, with them mm. and say like, okay, well, let Boston like do go and uh, do Bond, uh, and then when he when he's facing, come back and shoot Remington Steel, and then they could uh, actually that that's what they wanted to happen. They still wanted the current James Bond in their show. Cubby Broccoli nixed that. I mean, oh, okay. This is a series that's struggling. They don't want a guy playing a very similar role for free on television. Oh, yeah, no. I remember now. Yeah, yeah that would be really bad news. Or that people can see for free, rather. Um, but here we are a few years later. Again, when you read up around it, there's talk of Liam Neeson and Mel Gibson, bizarrely. Um, Sean Bean, too. Sean Bean, too. But I find it very difficult to believe that mm-hmm. it ever would have been anyone other, particularly as Dalton quit in April of 94 and Brosnan was announced two months later. Yeah, obviously he's, he's waiting in the wings, wasn't he? Yeah, I think absolutely. But clearly. So this is what we've got. We've got a we've got Martin Campbell. So he's a New Zealander. So first first non British Isles director, um, first film without Richard Maybaum for a while. Uh, first film. Well, hang on, Becker, I'm tread 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 on your toes here. I've I've got a few. I've got a few other lists. Well, I've got one, two, three, four, five firsts, and then also a bit of uh, Goldeneye trivia. Which will probably go on that already, um, but no, as you, as you as you say, it's kind of in terms of like the um, the makeup, but obviously like the stars um, and the production team, it's, it's all changed. So you know, new director, um, new people on the script, um, new, you know, production team, some bizarre Frenchman doing the music. Oh dear, um, <laughs> we will get. <laughs> that's probably all kinds of wrong. Um, but yeah, shall I read out my little list of Golden Eye first? Yes, yeah, go for it. Well, obviously, it's the first film since the Collapse of the Cold War, which is quite interesting. So, first newborn film of the uh, of the nineteen nineties, very exciting. 
Um, even though it's called Goldeneye, obviously it's the first Bond film to not be involved with anything relating to Fleming, um, or it's not based on one of the stories, for example. License to kill. Apart from that one. <laughs> These come from... Well, no, that's, there's a kind of vague, vague connection. So I'm going okay, to discount, yeah. I'm gonna discount right. that. No, okay, fine. So, oh, um, yeah, with them that die. Mm. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Um, oh. Yeah, these these come from various strands of the Tinterweb, so they may or may not be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but some also come from my own knowledge, so. Like Dan the Pub said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, my mate told me, you know. Um, so that's essentially what the internet is on a mass scale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It's basically that billi- plus cats. Billions, of, billions of drunk guys per second. <laughs> and a few other things that I have are like, I think I remember this is the first one to be released on DVD. Please correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, but I'm pretty sure it was the first one on, of the Bond series to come out on the I imagine Drifter. it would be. I would mm. imagine it wouldn't be. I, no, I kind of think it was, because I remember sort of when the, the format was just coming out. Um, I think the first was Tomorrow Never Dies. I'm going to investigate that one, but I just that's kind of what I hold in my memory. Um, it may be on Laserdisc. I remember having to wait for Tomorrow Never Dies, because the, the release window, a bit like The Phantom Menace, the release window for the DVD was shorter to try to promote the technology but you had to wait a year for the vhs yeah that was back in those days yeah um anyway so i also have first one to use cgi which okay. is very interesting um and it's really really obvious now watching it on blu-ray oh dear um and i was reading about the like product placement as well um and as you all know on this podcast we are the car enthusiasts um yeah. <laughs> we love to use, cars like, <laughs> He drives a blue one, uh, <laughs> um, but it's the first one to use like a German sports car. Um, in particular, the the Z3 um, is like the primary Bond car, Bond vehicle. Yeah. So that's my that's my golden eye first. Mm. Definitely watching it in prep for this. I'm not going to complain about product placement because it's as bad now, if not worse, and we've always had some. But it felt more like, and now a word from our sponsors, than anything in the series beforehand. It just felt very corporate, possibly because I think Brosnan comes off as a bit of an avatar rather than a character actor. I just feel like it it feels more like product than anything we've had before. It's a bit more like in your face this time. Like There's a scene, we'll get to it, but later on... Where obviously like Trevelyan's comparing his oh, new watch, you know, and it's obviously got like old Omega and new Omega. Yeah. Um, other watches are available, um, but it is more, and obviously you've got the, the Perrier mm. bottles during the tank yeah, chase. Absolutely. Um, but it's just kind of more. Yeah. I mean, if if you thought Spectre and Skyfall were bad, then it's these sort of levels again, isn't it? So. Well, the BMW. I really thought about it when we first saw the BMW in quote unquote action because we don't see it do do very much. And a lot of the reason we don't see it do very much is the deal was inked quite late. So you end up with uh, a BMW completely crowbarred in because there's nothing really in the film for it to do. And so it it inadvertently ends up adding to that. Well, there was actually uh, a scene cut. I mean, they didn't end up filming it, but they were um, Mm. like planning it. And it it, it was a scene they later used in, in a film where the world is not enough, where the helicopters with the blades... Right. So uh, yes. they, they, I think that was going to have that sequence uh, when they when they go into Cuba. Yeah. Uh, I, I I thought for years watching this film that it must have been sloppily or uh, uh, certainly aggressively edited. Um, I think there's a bit of that in this film, and we'll get to it. But there's also 
they didn't have time to or money to shoot certain things. It, it's it's not. I think that's what it is. I mean, like, I mean, it, it's it's funny going through the film because I always think uh, you always think of uh, well, you compare this to um, Tomorrow Never Dies, and you think of like, well, Tomorrow that uh, Tomorrow Never Dies is the one with all the action. This is kind of like plotty, and I remember watching it thinking like, well, Bond's not in it for quite a hefty chunk. Mm. Uh, we watching it, it, it's not true, but there isn't actually a lot of action in this, and there isn't actually a lot of yeah. And the the plot is pretty thin as well. And for a this film, is the, and for this a is film the... that's about like two hours long, it's like is it about that? About over two hours? It's like two hours, two hours, ten yeah, minutes. I think. I think it's, it's pretty odd hours, how yeah. it's quite the the plot and the action are quite sparse, really. Um, yeah, there isn't that much action, I suppose, in, in the ways of things. It's not, but it's kind it's of the quite last heavy. film. I would say it's probably the last film in the series that isn't really expensive, because this year, this week, you've got a budget of sixty million. The next what? film will have a budget of one hundred and ten, and then we go one hundred and forty, one hundred and fifty, something like that, and it escalates from there. And we know I can't speak for Casino Royale, but I certainly know the la- the latter three Craig films have been very expensive as well. There's a lot of like not great back projection work in this for probably the last time in the series. The the miniature work is I don't feel, I feel awful saying this because Derek Meddings was fantastic at miniatures, but you can tell a lot of this is miniatures in a way you can't tell in later films if they're indeed used. So I think this 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 film was a gamble, and it was a gamble that they didn't throw an obscene amount of money at. Yeah, I think with with the, with the miniatures, I mean obviously that's why I. Like, for example, the, the CGI in this film, when, when you watch it back on Blu-ray, for me, stands out like a sore thumb. And I'm sure, you know, when I saw this when it was released in sort of the like late 90s, I thought, oh, yeah, CGI is amazing, as you would do. But with the miniatures, I think, because film technology at the time was, well, as it was and is always evolving, um, I don't think Meddings is, is to blame for that. It's just kind of the way it was shot and yeah. the way the rear projection was used. It's probably just um, more to do with the time, time of the yeah, film as the well. Yeah, the time of it like as well. The, the, the technology to make miniatures look as great as it can do now wasn't quite there, and no. it kind of made it look kind of a little bit dated. I mean, to be honest, I still like seeing miniatures, it, it, maybe in a kind of, like, keech kind of way, but I kind of prefer seeing, like, uh, a mini- uh, like miniatures that blatantly look like miniatures than something that just looks like, oh, you just, that's just CGI or, like, or completely, you know, there's yeah. just a little bit of realism to it, you know, just, just a tad, you know, it's like with um, CGI, um, or obviously puppets rather than CGI characters, because even if they look blatantly like puppets, they look yeah. sort of, they still kind of look real, because they are real, they're there. Yeah, it's all um, in camera. Yeah, so it's like when we talk about, when we say Star Wars, like, the, you know, I'd rather see a puppet Yoda than CGI Yoda, because it's just, you know, it's still something that I can reach out and touch, even though it looks blatantly like a puppet. It feels real, rubber. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't mind miniatures. They, they, they are. I mean, they've been in the series for quite a long time, so it, it kind of you can you could say that it serves as like a you know. A, it's a not my major problem in this film. It's just wearing the, it's wearing the fact that I mean, as we talk through this film, I, I, it's it's beloved of our generation, and I say loosely because there's a few years between us, but certainly we've been starved of Bond for a while. Mm. Pierce Brosnan at the time, because of Roger Moore and lots of other things, was very much what the public thought James Bond should be in terms of, you know, that that's how the character's meant to be. And we'd been starved of it for a long time. Sounds very much like the Clive Owen um, 
thing when Daniel Craig was like, I was like, no, it's got to be Clive Owen. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to but, be like that at but all. But the point is, for good or ill, and, and well, I'll have some mixed things to say about Brosnan over the next <gasps> sort of three or four episodes. But I will say that this is actually a very, very safety first entry. License to Kill took quite a risk doing what it did. And that risk didn't necessarily pay off particularly well. Casino Royale did. You cast a guy who doesn't obviously scream Bond to people and then you take out most of the tropes of the series. This Brosnan's era starts with a very safe episode because the Cold War's ended and although that's addressed, it still feels like a, a Cold War film to me. It really does. So it's safety first in many ways. It's safety first in, in quite a low budget for its era. It's safety first in just trying to hit some of the Bond tropes as it goes along. Pierce Brosnan gives a very, very reined-in performance and a little bit stiff in some ways. And that's, to me, what stops it being a great film, but it's a very good one. It is a very good one. I'm going to try and argue against it a little bit, just because I'm obviously... Well, obviously growing up with Piers Brosnan as a Bond, so he's like my Bond, as it were. Yeah. Um, although, obviously, Goldeneye wasn't the first one that I saw at the cinema. That'll be next week, tomorrow never dies. Yep. Um, which is probably the one of the most hilarious action movies of the 90s, and my life. But we'll get there. Um, but yeah, no, I just, it's, it's a great script, it's great characters, um, action quite patchy in parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, what else really is? Yeah, I, I, Brosnan's quite great. I mean, obviously, it's first foray into the role, so you don't want to, he's not imprinting too much on it, he's not putting his own stamp on it as much mm-hmm. as he could have. He's remarkably but, comfortable in the role. Yeah, that's it, that's it. I think quite the opposite, actually. Okay. I don't think he's bad. I've I just got like a couple of quick things to say. Firstly, I don't think he's bad, per se, so I don't want anyone to get that impression. Um, secondly, he, he does improve as he goes on in the role. He really does. Uh, it, this, is, this is not a bad performance, but when I walked out from seeing Goldeneye, having never watched Remington Steel, didn't see Lawnmower Man and stuff like that... <gasps> I couldn't remember what Pierce Brosnan looked and sounded like. He, well, he, he, he shouldn't be living he here. Did, well, maybe you shouldn't be living here! <laughs> um, Sorry, so it didn't make a massive impression on me, and I, I still feel the same way about it. He was kind of diminished in the suit. You know, he was diminished by the tropes of Bond around him. But it's not a bad performance, and it is a good film. Yeah, I know. I, I think he kind of like... I, I know exactly what you mean. He's, he's, he is... More reined in here than he is in any other Bond film, um, but I think he, you know, it's. It, I suppose he's still trying to figure out what it works for him as well, because you also got the you nervous know, the first ones, first time Bond's. I'll, back. I'll point. I'll point out the scene when we get there. There's a scene when we get there that he does absolutely nothing wrong, but it's very sort of. There's a self-consciousness to it. There's a, I mustn't fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Okay. You can, I mean, it, I mean, it comes to turning, so... It, it, it was an odd one for, uh, viewing for me, because I think I mentioned to you that I felt kind of bored by watching this first time around. It's it's a bit harsh, and, you know, I don't think... I'm not saying the film is boring. I think it was partly down to my mood at the time, but I've rewatched it since. Um, and I've come to the realisation that, you know, out of the four Bond films that Brosnan has done, like if I if if you put a gun to my head and made me that that sounds like it's a chore watching any of them. But if if you put if I had to watch any one of um, the Brosnan Bond films, Goldeneye would be my last choice. Uh, now that's not to say that's not to say that I think um, it's a lesser film than say uh, uh, Die Another Day, 
but I know I'll enjoy that film more, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> you I know, we're going to end up loving that film just because it's so bad, but it's yeah, so bad it's good. You know, I yeah. think. And 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 I'll I'll talk about obviously uh, the 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 other two entries uh, more, but I just I find them actually a lot more um, just easy, more easy to watch. You know, well, tomorrow um, never dies whips along. Yeah, and and for me. The World Is Not Enough is not a great film because of its second half more than anything else. Yeah. But The World Is Not Enough at some point in that early in that film had greatness in its grasp and let it go. This film never has greatness in its grasp. It's it's paint by numbers, it's very stylish and it and it's a very important entry in the series and it and it ticks all the boxes fairly well. And it keeps it brings the series back, and it, it's probably the most stylish of the Brosnan entries. And there's a lot to like about it, but at no point have I ever thought GoldenEye is a great Bond film. I just think it's a very good one. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it, yeah. I want to say the word box standard, but it, it is it 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 does it did what it needs to do. It needed. To yeah, the masterclass in box standard is next week. Yeah, it's like Bond by numbers, but, it's, but like, it's good action. But it, it needed, you know, it needed kind of like to. Give the fans what they can have been starved of for for quite a while, while kind of reintroduce the character, but kind of remind people why they like the series. So it's you know it, it, this it, film it's, was it's what difficult... it needed to be. Yeah, yeah. I would kind of argue that it's, it's, a, it's a kind of it's a you know well for me um, the Brosnan films are kind of like a sliding sort of declining scale. Um, I'll say like Goldeneye number one, Tomorrow Never Dies number two, Lord's Not Enough number three, and. That's what the middle two, but I think you'd be you'd be in the majority, get Becker. I think that's what most people would say. Oh no, it's generally like the populist answer, but that's just my own personal feeling as well. But I think Goldeneye does, Although, does have greatness within it, but for those well, reasons, just Die because... Another Day has the second highest Rotten Tomato score of the four. Well, I don't care about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I mean that's just bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't that make the most money as well? Did make the most money, yeah. Well, exactly. This is it because it was the fortieth anniversary. Um, and you've got like Halle Berry, who famously won an Oscar and a Razzie in the same year. Um, think of that what you will. But um, and it's got um, Oscar-winning director behind it as well. And it's just like an absolute. So it's just like a prestige movie. So you've got kind of like, you know the anniversary behind it, um, which is kind of I don't know makes it bad and amazing in the same. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they they did televise like the premiere and things like that. For this film, there was a lot more hype about it, and I remember my father saying at the time, "What is it about this one? There seems to be so much more about it knocking around," because he wasn't a Bond fan particularly. And they're absolutely right. I think there was a lot more around this, and obviously when Skyfall came out, we had the Olympics as well, so yes. there was a sort of British thing, very like with the Spy Who Loved Me and sort of Silver Jubilee and so very on. Very much hyped up. Yeah. So I mean, definitely this, but. Goldeneye takes in the th- in the three hundred and fifty millions. You'll see different figures in different places, but broadly speaking, it took about three hundred and fifty-two, I believe. Uh, License to Kill took about a hundred and fifty-four. So you know, it's only six years later. This was a, a massive, massive success, and I can see why because it's one of the most accessible Bond films. You know, it it doesn't have a wildly difficult plot. It hits all the tropes. It's very, very stylish. That, that you know, it really does bring the series back and give the public what it needed if it was going to re-embrace this series. Well, should we enjoy it sequentially then, as you Let's would say? Let's enjoy this film sequentially. <laughs> sequentially, <coughs> we need a theme tune, like 
entertainment DVD of the week or something. Some kind of dun, dun, theme. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, that's like the more you know. <laughs> Chris, the danger when you do little things like that is I put one on forevermore. <laughs> Every time we go to do a film, it. <laughs> Voice of an angel. I know. Worst Gumbarrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Worst Gumbarrow. How did I forget that? Well, that's why this is the first Bond film to use the CGI, because it's the CGI Gumbarrow. Maybe that's why it's so bad. No, the Gumbarrow itself is great. The music's awful. Yeah, I remember watching oh, yeah. it the fir- like, first time and I was like. Oh wow! It's like a new, it's a new cooler. It's shiny. Yeah. It's very shiny, isn't like, it? Gumball sequence, like all like, like very sort of like, sort of what? What's the word? It's not bombastic. It's kind of like ostentatious. Yeah, yes, it's not. You know, it, it, it's not in your face. It's kind of like you know, it's, it's just quite understated. Yes, yes, that's probably. I the... like it, and I've always liked. A lot of people laugh at Pierce Brosnan's run, for example. But I've always quite liked the way Brosnan moves. I think it's quite feline. And I think he, he moves, turns and shoots really, really well. I, I like the gun barrel quite a bit. He's very straight up, isn't he? He's very, yeah, like... very upright. The most upright, yeah. He is, yeah. If you look at like, Crane, for example, he's kind of slowly bent, maybe, on one knee. But um, he's very... He, he's like... He, uh, Craig kind of goes for a Connery sort of type, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, it's it, it, yeah, it's it's a nice gun barrel. It, it really is. I mean, ruined by the first sign that we've got a problem with the score to this film. Oh. Um, the, I don't yeah. know. I, I mentioned this on Twitter, um, and <laughs> that there are parts of the score that I like, like the the techno bits, like the, obviously the bits during the gun barrel, um, and then during the the car chase with. I think Zendaya. those are the standouts as well. I mean, I, I mean, like I, I've I've watched the film a couple of times now, and the. Yeah, I, it doesn't affect me too much while I'm watching the film. I kind of like okay, but if you listen to that music for the car chase in isolation, my god, it's like, what the fuck were you it's, thinking? It's really bad, particularly yeah. around the period where they knock over the cyclists. Um, it's it's <sighs> just sure. bad. It sounds cheap as well, really. It like, really, do- yeah, really does. As it, if you know, I was doing it at home on my keyboard type job. You know, yeah. it's dating the film badly as well because Gold Gold Knight. Really, is only dated by that and its back projection and a couple of other things. It should have quite a timeless feel to it. Mm, otherwise, I mean, when, it's fine. When, you, when you consider next week when he's wearing his tux, it's at like a a, prod, a a station launch that feels like a nightclub and is instantly dated. Um, this, you know, it's got the Monte Carlo Casino and stuff. So this really should be quite timeless. But the the, the score screams mid nineties. And but then again, there, there are aspects one. of it which are quite nice as well. Like there's a um, bits involving like piano and strings, like during the scene between um, Natalia and Bond, kind of towards the last half of the film, um, and also the scene where they're talking about um, Alex, sorry Trevelyan or Colin Trevelyan all the way through the film, um, his parents, and there's kind of like a nice piano motif, which is very touching. It was. It's, okay. it's literally those any bits that aren't the techno techno are fine. I quite like the actual Golden Eye overture when they're counting mm. down to Golden Eye. I quite like that as well. I actually quite I, the thing that I actually thought really was good was the uh, should we say the the romance theme. Romance theme, yes. yeah, yeah. I can hear that in my head now. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, mm. it, it does. It, it does sound something similar to Barry as well. So it, it yeah. That's so true. It's, it has has moments like that, and then and then it kind of just goes off into like we have to kind of be a little bit more edgy. We've got to be a little bit more cooler. Um, and yeah, get some kettle drums in. Get the tempo. Yeah, going. exactly. You know. <laughs> More cowbell. More cowbell. <laughs> Worked for Roger. Expect Christopher Walken to come out. Go. I need more cowbell. I've got a fever. Yeah. 
Okay, oh, so yeah. that's uh, three or four minutes on the gun barrel. <laughs> um, Let's talk which, about that damn jump, shall we? Uh, still the world record, I believe, for uh, highest bungee jump from a fixed object. So, so over, over 700 feet, I think. Yeah, it's um, it's an it is a really incredible stunt, and it is one of the unkind, iconic bits of the series. It's it's up there with the Union Jack, you know, opening parachute in Spy Who Loved Me and things Looks like. Looks great on the big screen. Looks fantastic on the big screen. It's a very dangerous stunt because of proximity to the wall, and also there were some blood spatters on the uh, on the <laughs> below from where people had got that wrong and had accidents and got. Oh dear! So, oh, so people have actually done it before. I don't know if it was a bungee jump, but certainly people have come a cropper on that dam. Oh wow! I think you can. I think you can do it, isn't it? There's um, there's like there's a company that runs bungee jumps from that from that location or similar, right. and you can kind of do it. Well, it wouldn't be a world record then, I suppose. So I presume it's been done since, but at the time it was. Mm, that's um, it. Little bit thing of the day because there was an awful lot of charity bungee jumping going on in the nineties. Bit like parkour when we get to Casino Royale. Um, thing du jour. Do people it's... still bungee jump? I'm not saying they don't, but it was a bit more of a thing then, wasn't it? So and so is doing a bungee jump for charity. I can never do bungee jump. A friend, a friend of mine's done it and said it was terrifying. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. It's just that it just feels like wrong in every fibre of my body. Just like just jump off. Oh, I'll be worried. I'll be like, what, what if the cord breaks? What, what if it snaps or something? And I'll be that unfortunate one. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that, but you know, it just—it's something. It's like I say the same about like jumping out of a, a plane in a parachute. It just—it just feels initially wrong to do it. Like, you know, you sort of, why would I jump out of this thing? Well, you got a parachute. Yes, but why would I jump out of this thing? <laughs> you know, it just feels like no, this is wrong. No, I, I don't. No, it's no. fundamentally wrong to your person. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, Fair this enough. is the first sign. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, just no. I just like segue there. The the in in credit to this sequence because you've got the jump and you're introduced to 006 and all the rest of it, and it says USSR, so we're clearly in the past. Mm. Um, this it it, it whips mm. it whips through, and it's only when you think about it afterwards, nothing makes sense in the in the <laughs> way it's shot and everything because he jumps off. A dam, so down to sort of sea level, at least, at very least, in sort of um, beautiful weather, and finishes the sequence flying off a snowy cliff. Um, so that doesn't make any sense. So he gets in and meets 006, that's absolutely fine. He, he manages to li- land in the toilets. Um, <laughs> and basically they, they go to sort of blow this weapons facility up. But 006 is captured... By Uramorph. Uramorph, that's um, liquid <laughs> morphine. Uramorph, <laughs> sorry. Uramorph. Uramorph. And um, shot in the head. But the, his gun has clearly got a mixture of blank and live rounds in it. And also, if they are staging the death of 006, sorry, spoiler guns. alert. Maybe he's got two guns. Maybe. But if he's, if he's staging the death of 006, someone's got to get away to tell that story. So you really ought to tell your men not to be firing live rounds right at him, <laughs> particularly when he's by some explosive tanks and stuff. Nothing in this sequence is thought through at all. And it's continuity errors. It's I know. Yeah, and, and also if that Hill uh, idea was for Bond to die anyway, why would you stage it? Who's you staging it for? And that's what I'm saying. He would have to escape. <laughs> What's in and those gas tanks? Is it really gas? You know, I it's... don't know. Um, must be empty maybe and as well I wonder if when he jumps on that conveyor belt the conveyor belt's several miles long because that, that's why he comes out in a snowy bit with like, 
Um, Snow has fallen in the also, meantime. For any American listeners, I know sometimes I'll listen to a podcast or something that's American, and they'll talk about how their audience at a screening was going wild. Brits aren't like that. We get like talking kids sometimes. That's about it. There's only a couple of times in my life I've been at a screening of something and the audience has spoken with one voice. Once was episode two when Yoda started leaping around (laughs) and everyone went, fucking hell, like that with one (laughs) voice. The the first time I ever heard it, though, was Goldeneye because he chases after this plane, jumps off against a back projection, which looks like the worst of the Roger Moore era in terms of stunts. He catches up with the plane, grabs it and pulls himself in. Free falling. And, and my audience yeah. went, fuck off! <laughs> like I was living in Liverpool at the time and the audience all shouted, fuck off, with one voice. It's a Bond movie, what do they expect? You know, you're going to expect these audacious Yeah, but we've not they? seen a, a stunt that ridiculous in a Bond film before. No, and it's So it is quite like, oh wow, we're, we're doing this, are we? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, even, even I thought, like, at the age of, like, okay, wh- wh- what year is it? So 95. You'd have been 13, Chris. Yeah, okay, 13. So, like, really excited. Yes, I've been watching Bond on the telly for, like, all my life. Finally, it's back. It's on the big screen. I'm, like, really excited. Holy hell. And then, then it, well, yeah, wasn't quite that exciting that way. But, um, and it was like, oh, that's a bit unbelievable. <laughs> you know? so, so even then I was like, okay, come on. <laughs> but but you know what? The, it's the fine. sequence doesn't make an awful lot of sense. But we are introduced to 006 because it's Sean Bean, who, although not a superstar, is well known enough that we assume he's coming back somewhere later on. Uh, but even if you hadn't thought about it, a colleague of Bond's has been killed. He feels responsible for it. Uh, we are introduced to Oromoth. We'll see him again. I'm going to have to call him <laughs> something else because I keep thinking of liquid. <laughs> yeah, okay. Bit of division. I just, we did deep. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Russian general. Some of the dialogue doesn't Russian sound general, right to it. me. Bond saying buy me a pint doesn't sound right at all. Yeah, cause I mean, I, I expect it's more like code for them. Cause it's like, you know, like, like, a last call on, you know. Yes, like spy there's, code there's, or a, there's a draft, you know, um, and all that kind of thing. So, but yeah, I, I can't imagine Bond sitting down in your local with a pint of bitter. It just no, you can't like... imagine him and Alec going down the pub, can you? No, no. on the fruit machines. Yeah, <laughs> no. I like gambling. <laughs> I like, to like you know, instead of like a card game, like he's on, he's on he's one on and on the tops on the one. Well, may, maybe with um, Sean Bean. Maybe Sean Bean, like, maybe he's, like, slumming it because he's his mate, but I'm... But I, I, I... Also, the first concern I've got at that point is Sean Bean, because I know Sean Bean as an actor from other things. And something about closing time, James, doesn't suit him. He has and a I do... really... I mean, he's, like, is he from, like, Sheffield or something? But he has a really plummy accent in this film, it doesn't, doesn't he? It doesn't suit him. It sounds very forced. Well, it's kind of funny watching this now. His performance isn't different at all. It's not like, now I can reveal myself and I'm kind of... I'm like, yeah, well, it's not I'm... like he went, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but you know what I mean? It's like, I he, you didn't he, know I was the villain. He, the, way he's, the way his character is doesn't change one iota. You know, no, no. I mean, you watch no. it now and you think, well, yeah, he's still a bit shifty. And, yeah, and, and, you know, watching it, analysing it, you can't, well, uh, I say analyse it, but it, you don't get, like, you don't really get the fact that these are close buddies. These are like, yeah. They don't sell it at all. The closest thing you've got to that is they're similar in age. Yeah. They're similar in age and they do the same job. 
one of the things I'll come back to again and again in the Brosnan era is Brosnan has no chemistry with almost anyone. He really doesn't. We'll find examples, but he doesn't with most of his leading ladies. Again, a couple of exceptions. I think with Money Penny for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'd go along with that. He did with Money Penny, but there's a lot of people that you set up as friendships or you set them up as relationships or just sex or whatever. I would argue, perhaps How, not in this film, not with, not with Zinya, but with um, Natalia. He has okay, sure. he has okay chemistry with Natalia, but you know, as I said, mm. when we did the uh, the Dalton era, Dalton seen as a much colder fish, and yet he had far better chemistry with most people. I will put it down to I think in defence of Brosnan, I will put it, I think it's more down to the scripts and the writing. I mean, he, yeah, we, we, we talk about how he doesn't have much chemistry with. Um, um, what, what, what's her face? Uh, and uh, Natalia, yeah, mm. in this. Well, she they're pretty much like uh, put together like halfway through the film, and they don't have like an intimate moment. I and then they it's basically what the moment they meet is like kind of action, 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 action. And then, although they're seen in the, they're seen in the sort of the baths is good, really good. Oh the, yeah, yeah, that's one of the best scenes in the film. No, no, that, yeah, that's um, on the top. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The actual Natalia. Oh, I don't think that, oh, that, yeah. that's bad at all. It's just, but yeah, so it's just the... you know, I, I go and watch him in other films like The Tailor of Panama, and like, you know, he's bursting out of the screen with charisma, and it just doesn't really work the same way in in these films. I must it, revisit that movie. I've not seen that for a long time. I remember yeah. it being quite a good film. Yeah, I mean, I'm heterosexual, and I wanted to fuck him in that film. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, no, I mean, it, it just, as I say, uh, for such a charismatic, good-looking guy, the chemistry's not there with a lot of characters. And we see it here. I don't think he really has any with Alec at all. No, um, I mean, I kind of like the idea of Alec in theory. Yeah. But I don't think it kind of, it kind of comes across as a bit kind of hammy. But it is. It's closing time, James. It's half the way. Half of it's in. It's, it's, yeah, it's the way you pronounce it, basically. Much. And it is. Yeah. Is if if he had a mustache, he'd be a mustache twirling villain. He has a few good moments, uh, but I think largely down to like the plot doesn't make sense. But, but because him, he's so. a double O in an Omega watch and he's Bonzi, yeah. a lot of people and the age we all are, a lot of people in our generation rate him highly. I think he's. I think he's one of the possibly the most overrated villain in the I, series. I, I think he would be, work better if he was a lot more colder as a character. Yeah, it'll be a lot more like he, he wasn't he, so smug. He, he, yeah, well, well, essentially, he's kind of smug for that entire thing, you know. It's he's a yeah. smug bastard. Um, <laughs> but he, sorry, he, but he it, it, it would work if he was a lot more colder. Like literally, he is like the dark side. Well, Bond is dark, but literally, he is like a hair's breadth of like what Bond could be. You know, mm. um, it would work a lot better then. Uh, but it just mm. it just doesn't really. It just when we get to when we get to his story later on and and why he's who he is and who he actually is. Um, we'll, we'll return to this because there are scripting issues that leave this film making no sense whatsoever, and it, and it is to do with the 006 storyline. But the pre-title's okay, apart from its logic leaps, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, and I, Brosnan, Brosnan's good in it, and I, I just think if you keep Brosnan physically moving, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I that is about this pre-title sequence. I generally think, I mean, it's like like the film, like Goldline itself. It does what it needs to do. It, yeah. it, it, this, 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 I think it's actually we talk about how it doesn't make any sense mm. in context of the film, but as a standalone pre-title to sequence, that's it really is, good. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it does. It, it does. is, it is, is exactly what you want, especially like you know after after the wait we've had and like once bring Bond back, um, 
this is like you, you couldn't really ask for much more really I think this does its job absolutely fine and to the, add to the reboot flavour of this film we go we in, we're introduced to the work of Daniel Kleinman yeah what do you reckon to the title sequence then uh, I'm just grateful that there's actually a theme to them like they're <laughs> actually you know I mean they, they, they're great let's face it it, it looks good uh, but is that there's actually like oh there's actually a premise to this there's a theme you thought this through the it's knocking like, down of the old world yeah this is it pretty much yeah all these um, communist icons like Stalin are being kind of knocked down That's, this is what I love about Daniel Kleinman I mean his prettiest titles are forevermore will be Casino Royale just amazing so beautiful um, and as much as I do love like Morris Binder if you watch Casino Royale in high enough definition, <gasps> it, starts, it starts to look a bit 3D. It's so hypnotic. Yeah, it's yeah. just stunning. And I love it forevermore. It's amazing. It's starting to date very slightly, but it's, it does look a bit 90s music video. But it's really, really good. And you've it's got, like, the such iconography- a stop up, step up in standard. Yeah, you've got the iconography as well. And obviously the dancing ladies and everything. But it just... You know, they've got one overarching theme that just ties everything in. And, and also Yanis as well, the two heads. Uh, yes, you've got the two faces as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a the, the theme of the actual plot in it as well, like that that comes in, that's always in like the Kleinman's uh, uh, pre-title sequence. So, and thank also, God for Daniel Kleinman, that's all I've got to say. And thank God for you too for writing quite a good bond tune. It's in, in the edge, isn't it? I know. <clears <clears <throat> they should have gone with the Ace of Base, Chris. No, they shouldn't, because I've heard it is shite. <laughs> <laughs> no, I promise that'd be the first, first, one and only time you ever hear that on a podcast, apart from the builder. It's I actually <laughs> do prefer that. Very, I mean, do you, you prefer the, you prefer the um, yeah, the I do. Space, really? yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Not no, necessarily really? this title. In isolation, I do. I think a lot. The problem you've got here is Tina Turner has the sort of voice you'd put with a Bond film. The song kind of sounds like the sort of thing you'd put with a Bond film, but it doesn't get out of second gear. So it's fine, but I keep waiting for the start the song to kick on a bit. I don't know. I think when when it gets into like you never know, and it's, it's like still that, the, that, that twinkly piano. I think that's, that sounds. It's awesome. the best of the Brosnan era. It is the best of the Brosnan era. This is the best title sequence he gets, and the best song he gets. Um, I think it's the best title sequence. Um, it's probably one of the best songs. Um, but I think for me, it's it's a very it's a very nineties. Tina Turner for me would probably be very much a nineties artist. Eighties um, for me, really. Yeah. Well, yes, but yeah, kind of eighties, nineties in there somewhere. I think. Well, yeah. But it's, it's a very Absolutely. for me. It's it's kind of like diamonds are forever. It's a very kind of it's very sexy. It's a very slinky song. Um, it's kind of it's a weird kind of tone for the song really because it's all about basically somebody wanting to capture Bond and put her in a sex dungeon, um, which is a bit dodgy. <laughs> Well, uh, what, well, well, if you actually think that's about what it, about. well, actually, if you think about, well, think about it, it kind of sounds actually. It's actually about um, Trevelyan, actually, about and he's planning revenge on Bond. You know, that's like true, pretty much, yeah. You know, revenge is kissed this time. I won't miss. Um, and he's, I think, actually, no, it's actually, it's actually thought about the actual. It's talking about the villain like Goldeneye was. It's you know, it's it's and about what he's actually thinking. I was like, yeah, that's pretty. Right it's like, yeah, it's going kind to of sort of like keep him in a trap and the yeah. sort of being, yeah, kept, and being like held to ransom. But um, yeah, overall, I think it's kind of a very sexy, very slinky song. Hmm. Um, it's very, it's very cool. It's my, my ringtone for a little bit, Ooh. but uh, sadly not anymore. <laughs> so whenever somebody phoned, yeah, I mean, I, I've always liked how it kind of. Uh... I'm still Majesties. Stick with the best. Yeah, well, you know, uh, gonna, no one's going to argue with that. But I kind of, I kind of <laughs> liked how uh, I changed my to Majesties now, Dave. Actually, so we, we're matching. 
I, I kind of like how the, uh, the, the kind of like it kind of comes in with the explosion with and the bullet in terms of like that you got the base exploding at the beginning and it kind of like starts and it just kind of encapsulates the explosion mm-hmm. and kind of yeah I, I, I it's really that, clever isn't it yeah that's a really nice touch and then it ends going in with a similar sort of gun battle but straight to like the the speeding uh, road of the uh, Aston Martin it's a really yeah, nice really nice sort of like entrance straight into the next scene. Um, Straight into action as well. Yeah, as yeah, yeah, so if you're going into yeah. office or you know something's going with you, straight into the action, driving around. Yeah. And so we've got um, oh, what's her name? Serena Gordon. Uh, it Caroline. is Serena Gordon. Yes. Little point about this. It's it's been a couple. It's been theorised. A couple of things have been theorised about this scene. Firstly, the nine years later, a bit of an yes. in joke that it's a reference to Brosnan being cast in 1986. Yeah, in joke. <laughs> uh, but the other theory I've got is that it follows straight on from um, uh, it's follows straight on from the previous film in that he's quit and gone rogue in Licence to Kill, and this is his evaluation for fitness oh, to return to the service. I've just seen figure. Is this kind of their, their sort of slide job? It's like, yeah, we're, we're ignoring Brosnan, uh, Dalton. It could be, but it could also be taken as they are evaluating his fitness to return to the service. In which case. It's explicitly saying Licence to Kill is, is a part of this series. So you could take it either way, mm. or neither way. You could just say, well, you know, it's an opportunity for him to have sex with someone early in the film, and it's a reference that that was a few years ago mm. under the Soviet regime. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. It's not a bad introduction, apart from him wearing a really dodgy cravat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never seen Bob wearing cravat before. Hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it is quite a good like Bond thing. It's kind of like fun and playful. I just wish it was actually the scores better. It was actually taken a bit more seriously. Uh, yeah. It just felt like uh, you can kind of you kind of sense the producers going like, "Oh, this is you know, we're meant to having fun now. It's just kind of this space sort of fun and playful." They're like, "No, it, it should be a lot more thrilling. This is a car chase." Yeah. Even we 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 get there's a seductiveness in there, but you know, this is a car chase, and it should be, you know. Played straight, straight. Really. really don't like it. Really yeah. don't. And uh, the visual no, gag with all the cyclists falling over—it's not a big problem, but I don't like it very much. And it's a shame because it, it should be a slam dunk. But at this point, we've not seen the DB5 explicitly in the film in a film since Thunderball. I know it's rolled out every two minutes at the moment, but I, I kind of like it as his personal vehicle. Uh, it's you know a comforting. This is the Bond you remember sort of air feel to it. They're in the hills above Monaco, Monaco being such a classy location. Yeah, I kind of like this. And plus the winding road kind of looks familiar to like Goldeneye as well, as Goldfinger, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's a very different road, but it's the same principle yeah. that you get a lot of sort of riding through these windy yeah, roads, yeah. Definitely. So I kind of like this sequence. Um, I don't... Do, do, does he shagger in that tiny, tight car, though? Yeah, I, they sort of allude to it at the end, don't they? Yeah, it's like, you, oh, James, you're incorrigible. Yeah, you can reckon you, you, yeah. you, know, you slip it in there. Uh. I just, you know, <laughs> is there a deleted scene where he's sort of, it's so tight for space, he like rips his scrotum open on the on the gear oh. stick? Lovely. Yeah. Well, there was there was like a gas uh, glass, uh, champagne glass there, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, these are the sort of things I think about while I'm <laughs> actually trying to romance a lady, listeners. Yes. So, um, How, uh, what's uh, the health of his scrotum? And also, it's the first time we uh, get introduced to uh, uh, the well, uh, Zenia Onisop. The ageless Famke Janssen. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, she, yeah, she looks the same now. She's just she glamorous. does. She's 51 now and looks pretty much the same. 
what do we think? I mean, she she's pretty much like the most overacted performance in this film, but it works <laughs> well, I think. Um, I mean, it's it seems like she's read the script. Okay, what's the, what's the character? Okay, Zenya on the top. Right. Well, I know not to take this seriously. And I was getting fun with it. I was getting fat on my blush vibes this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although it's, it's uh, although it makes who, a lot more sense. Who has the best Bond girl name? We got like Pussy, pussy Girl, Fatima Blush, Zenya on the top. You know, it's one of those. It's typical Bond girl name, isn't it? It's really out there, raunchy, sexy, fabulous, completely mental. A lot of vagina was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I thought your name was a lot of. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> uh, there you are. What? I don't know, but there you are. You're there. Five. I'll stick. <laughs> so yeah the, you can feel a bit of austin powers through you know through this film and um but yeah so just, uh, I, I think we're off to a pretty good start so far so um so then chase uh we like he gets like a message off money penny saying um oh, i want to spy on her zenia on the top because she may have connections with the uh uh the the, the, yeah, the well, terrorist. does he go to the casino first, and he talks to her afterwards. Money. Yeah, they play the game, and then he's like, "Oh, so you've been to Russia?" You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not really well established why he goes there. It's just he's just there, so it's just kind of like assuming that he's spying on her. I think, or or they're all being told to go there to investigate something. Yeah, we don't know at the moment. We have no idea why she was sort of playing chicken with him up in the hills, unless it's just mm. good fun. Yeah. Don't know if he was there to follow her. Why have they sent? If he's being evaluated by an MI6, you know, procured psychiatrist, why did they go to Monaco to do that? It, 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 it's like it's like it's, it's almost if they haven't thought it through. Is it? Don't think that. No. <laughs> I don't think too much about it. It doesn't ruin this film, but at the the moment you put it under scrutiny more than most Bond films, it really does fall apart. But uh, the casino sequence is lovely. He fills the tux very nicely. Uh, he You've got the Bond, the James Bond, shaken, not stirred. His, rendition, his delivery of Bond, James Bond, is, is probably the best since Connery. I love it. It's brilliant. It's like really, you know, the right amount of really pause good. between Bond and James Bond. But it, it, was, it was used for all the publicity, wasn't it, with the Bond? James and it's Bond. Not, even on the Blu-ray. There's a softness to it as yeah. well. It's quite warm. It's and casual. I, I, yeah, I mean, I for all we say about Brosnan, I could see at this point why you'd think, oh, yeah, this is going to work brilliant. Mm. No, it's very smooth, mm. very charming, very suave. And they play Baccarat, which I like. Play Baccarat. Don't play some silly video game. And as much as, <laughs> I, and as, much as I love Casino Royale, don't play Texas Hold'em. Explain Baccarat to us. That's Bond's game. Yeah, not, not, well, not many people kind of play it these days. It's a game, I, I mean, I've, I mentioned on previous podcast that my grandma taught me how to play it. And she's like, she's 83. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's one of those things. So she's still younger than Roger Moore was. This is it. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's a really kind of classic, classic game. Yeah. So, so yeah, and it, it's a really beautiful casino. Some of it shot on set, some of it shot in location. It's a bit of a mixture of it through the sequence. Um, and it's a very quippy. I was watching this with a first-time viewer earlier today. And, in fact, I watched it in two sittings. And she said to me, it's very quippy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This film. Yeah, they're quite and a lot what she was saying was, it's not as bad as when we get to die another day, but they are talking to each other in well, one-liners. Mm. Pretty, yeah, beg your pardon, I forgot to knock. Um, I trust you can say on the top of the things, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there are quite a lot of quips. I mean, that's what I think... Yeah. <coughs> excuse me, the, um, the pre-title sequence, obviously, you, you don't see Bond right away. It takes a couple of minutes. Um, but yeah, you've got the quips, you've got the action, you've got the comedy. 
and you've got kind of like the I don't know the, the deadly like edge of it as well. I think this film is obviously setting up Bond um, as it was in the good old days. So you haven't you kind of lost that hardness I think of um, from Dalton, but you've kind of got a mix of sort of Connery um, and Roger Moore as well. You've got all those elements mixed up together, and you've got Brosnan. And that's what this film does for me, is, is fantastic in that respect. I'll talk more about Brosnan's perception of his own performances in these films when we get to the, to the last film, because he had some interesting things to say about how he approached the series and, and what he, how he thinks he did. Um, but yeah, I really like this casino scene, and, and then he's outside sort of spying on the boat afterwards, and it all feels so classy. I really like it. It does. I, I like how, obviously, we've got a obviously new Bond, new M, new Money Penny, uh, we hear from Money Penny. We don't see her till about half an hour into the film. Yeah, well, we, we go from this to we go from this to Xenia crushing an admiral between her thighs. She likes to pull mm. rank. She likes to pull rank. She did enjoy a good squeeze. That's, that's actually probably my uh, that, uh, that's not very well, but that's probably my favourite one line in that. I admire a girl who pulls rank. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good line. Yeah, because you were thirteen and it was a wanking joke. Yeah. Aimed at quite a <laughs> <laughs> Dirty, dirty boys. <laughs> He well, said it, I, I didn't I, say I, it. I was 19, <laughs> I'd matured by then. Um, I think I was 11 when this film came out, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's um, it's a really good sequence. We then get, um, so we see her, she basically kills this admiral in order to get his credentials to get onto the boat where well, there's a mysterious figure the Eurocopter so, would be. Who is, is this, uh, is this the, um, the, the Russian general, should we say, or is it uh, Alec Trillian? Yeah, who is it? We didn't. I see don't him. think it matters. She could, when she gets into the craft the next day, there's two of them. It will. Oh, no, it's a room off, isn't it? Yeah. There's a room off. It must be. Yeah, well, yeah. It, 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 it's really not home. that important. She's killing this guy to allow somebody to distract him to allow. You know, it, it's yeah. not that important. But the fact is, she can now get onto the boat the next day to get at that French Eurocopter, which is yeah. impervious to uh, ER, um, electric magnetic pulses. Yeah. Um, I'll just write down EMP. <laughs> mm. Yeah, this is this bit where it just feels very plotty. I think when like you, you think, well, well, Boston's there faffing around on a boat. Uh, he, he beats up some guy. I think that's quite clever though, because he, spot, he spots. It, 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 there's a lot of these scenes here, like um, showing Bond being obviously he's, he's a spy, doing lots of spy work, something that we haven't seen him do in quite some time, and also being very resourceful. So, yeah. like, obviously in the beginning, he's using you know the gas tanks. As it kind of like to deflect as well, um, but he yeah he spots like a guard or a random bloke on the boat um, in reflection one of like the brass knobs I, I don't know what you call it um, a bit of a golden eye no, eh, sorry a bit of a goldfinger reference as well yeah. where he sees the elf joint um, in, in, in someone's in eyes. eyes yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the lady's eyes so I I, like, I, 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 forever, I forever see that as also in Powers Gag now but, uh, <laughs> but yeah no but he, he, but he, he, he uses a towel and then like he chucks him down the stairs and he uses the towel to wipe his brow, which is kind of a nice little touch. But it just it just feels very like yeah okay. Um, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not amazing, but it's just yeah. a little, nice little touches here, there, and there. But they get away. They get away with this helicopter. We're not sure why at this point. Although there's a bit of a preamble in the it's presentation that it's mm. impervious to EMP. But why we why that matters, we're about to find out. No, but we drop. Drip fed a little bit with the details, aren't we? We're giving everything mm-hmm. all at once. Yeah, very, very, really decent. Fed bits of info, which I think is quite good. Yeah. I was saying, okay, this is why X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. Where do we go from here? Do we go straight to M or do we go to. No, we go to, it goes straight to uh, Natalia. It goes straight yeah. to Sevenaya. Sevenaya, doesn't it? But yeah. it, that's intercut with. Uh, uh, studios. With, for, with MI6 headquarters because obviously they're watching it 
just as that happens. It kind of picks up between him and the scene with um, Michael Kitchen again. Mm, so. We're in, we're introduced to Natal. Well, what she what she called Becca. <laughs> I, I, I was writing down the cast list and I thought I'm not going to pronounce half these people's names, but it's Natalia Semyonova, played by Isabella Skorupko. Yeah, well, I can't pronounce either of those names. Yeah, I've seen it a lot. I saw her in her in a fire a few years ago. I think I've only ever seen her. Managed in... to look totally different. I've only ever seen her in this film. Yeah. Um, and Boris Grishenko, who's played by Alan Cumming, which Alan Cumming just... To- he was an X-Men movie. Well, yeah, he was Nightcrawler, but he's mm. a British comedy actor. And he was from off- Living the High Life, wasn't it? That well, was it. Was that the one set in like an airline? Yeah. I know. Was- the yes, first thing I, I ever saw him was that. Bernard and the Genie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but he, he's, Where is he he's, now? he's acting in a different film entirely. He really is. <laughs> he's invincible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, with Boris I mean, he, he did. Re- he, I remember him being interviewed uh, when this film was coming out, and he he did like sort of reference like, "I know, I, I know, me in a Bond film is hilarious, isn't it?" Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, he kind so he does have a good sense about how it's ridiculous. How it's like, hang on, I was in a sitcom, now in a fucking Bond film. Like that's a fucking insane. The other thing um, that dates this film is we see an awful lot of computer screens. So yeah, it's like well, Windows it's modern. Five. Um, that's what it is. I mean, you say this is very much like a Cold War film. Um, I I don't think so at all because you've got the kind of the no. I just meant, I just meant we still time. we still kind of feel like they're fighting the Soviets. That's kind all of, I mean. even that yeah, with the whole Jens Cossack reference and everything. But I I don't think so because of the amount of like IT that's in this movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's very much nineties. Techno terrorism. I'm, we, yeah, we'll get there with um, next week's film tomorrow. Night is that's very much techno terrorist thriller. I, I, I think it's blending in with it. You know, it feels like we're fighting the Soviets, but it's kind of it's blend. It's it's telling us that it we're in present day, but it's it's got a, like a plot set in Soviet Russia to yeah, that's of, what you mean. To, to kind of yeah. like feed in like, oh, this is what you know, but we obviously we're we're progressing from this now. So like, this film will be a lot more familiar. With a few twists and and different things, but you know you, you get a sense that they're going to move on after this, which they do. But yeah, they do. Yeah, they do they indeed. Do. And basically, Uramorph, uh, Uramorph, I keep doing this. <laughs> basically, uh, liquid morphine Uramorph. turns up with um, <laughs> with a lot You're of turning vagina. into me, Dave. A lot of, a lot of <laughs> vagina turns up with, with liquid morphine. <laughs> And uh, basically, and you love us not being able to pronounce the names. Oh Jesus! We shouldn't be. He should be called Tramadol or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they turn up in order to basically the get, the key, get this key to Goldeneye. And yeah, steal the Goldeneye, and then fire, and then electric magnetic pulse there. So they need. That's why they needed the helicopter so they can get in and out of there. You've after. been affected by EMP. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Basically kill everyone there, which I think is kind of a brutal scene, really, because a lot, of the, lot, a lot, a lot of the guys there are kind of like happy, like cardigan wearing, sort of like. Oh, I noticed this time they made job? a lot. I noticed this time more than any other viewing I've had of this film that they actually make an effort to show you their colleagues. In abstract, I could only really remember Boris and Natalia, mm-hmm. but like this time, I was really noticing the different people in that office. And whilst obviously they don't have the time or inclination to give us full characterizations, it's just enough to feel it when the bullets start flying. Yeah, you kind of like, oh, the, these aren't like they, it's not it's not like they're, they're soldiers either. You know, like, like they're just, just normal like, people. Yeah, yeah. just they're, they're just technicians. They're yeah. just technicians. Yeah, uh, yeah. It just feels like oh, that's strange. But uh, it's good, like, film us turn from um, uh, 
Frankie Jensen as well because I, I, I kind of like the aspect of a Bond villainess who just gets like sexual pleasure from violence. You know, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of meta for Bond film, and I think it's, it it may it may have a strike of like, or maybe overthinking it too much at this point. But it it, it it just plays off so well, especially with her performance being like as hammy as it is. Um, it, it, it it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun concept, really, for me. But um, yeah, she basically she kills and what everyone. I love is I noticed this time liquid morphine actually looked a bit shocked when yeah, she did like that. all right, yeah, calm she down. Looks a bit like, what what was that? Or, or was he getting a thrill from it? She's literally like, no, he just looks a bit confused. He's, he's like, like hmm. oh, what really? It's just like, calm down, love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. In that accent. <laughs> In yeah. that accent. <laughs> <laughs> Point of <Sorry>. child. <laughs> Sorry. So liquid yeah. morphine has a pint of mild <laughs> while a lot of vagina wants to... While smoking it. a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, and a flat cap. <laughs> I bet those of you who are just listening with us who haven't seen Goldeneye yet, I really feel like you don't need to now. Because <laughs> yeah. we're quite evocative. <laughs> Alan, we've, but if you really want to finish it off, somebody spills cold coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that always happens, doesn't it? Whenever violence happens in a workplace, like someone like he drops like, oh, he spills something. Yeah, drops something. Yeah, no, but that's actually Natalia, and she's she's hiding in the kitchen, and she like yeah. Yeah, she hides. Like she's escaped out the ventilation. She hides up in. She hides in the cabinet while she's gives the impression she's gone up. Which is a good trick, I think. But um, it's a good trick. And and then it gets a good line as well, doesn't she? Because like I had to ventilate someone, and that's quite good. Quick. I thought that was a dreadfully overreaching line. To I think it's really funny. I think it's hilarious. I, I had to air conditioning somebody. It smells of like, a, of like we really need uh, a line here. We need, really need a line here. We, <laughs> like, I, I needed to ventilate. Any suggestions, anyone? They, suggestions? they couldn't breathe and you put them on a ventilator? What are you talking about? It doesn't work. <laughs> it's like, it would be better if they just said nothing and just like, and she just yeah, calmly just walked it. off. Yeah, I mean, she like, should have just really creamed her pants. Yeah, it's just like, you know, like, sort of like, Done. But it's, it's so bad, it's hilarious. I just think, oh, yeah. I mean, like, I watched the commentary of this as well, and like, uh, they did Martin Campbell and uh, Michael G. Wilson did comments like, yeah, and it never really got a laugh that line. So, like, you know, it's, it's like, I wonder it's why. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a bit corny, it's but you know, it, it, but you know. Yeah, it's what Bond was about. Yeah, but no, but it's just not funny. I, I do love that when people are just baffled. Yeah. Zack Snyder only said that a few weeks ago, the thing that always surprised me is how much people clung, clung on to the Christopher Reeve version of Superman. It's like, yeah, well, those films were quite good. Yeah, there's a reason why. <laughs> and it was his shit. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, that's... Well, yeah, we, we've done that. But... That's your <laughs> cinematronics podcast, I'll, isn't Yeah, it? I, I, I would say, like, the, the reason why that is, not because uh, Christopher Reeve nailed, got Superman right. Yours didn't. Uh, and that's why we still... That's why we still hang on to those because we've got none of none of you. The good movies, yeah. yeah. Though I still have a, I have a soft spot for Superman Returns, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too, actually. Yeah, I mean that that got Superman, but so anyway, listeners. Anyway, yeah. Next year, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that was a that, that was, was a, a totally impromptu and sponsored by the Daily Planet. <laughs> <laughs> that um, was a sneak preview to next year's uh, Superman retrospective. Yeah. Superman retrospective review. Yeah. So. Uh, it turns out that as uh, Goldeneye is fired, uh, MI6 are watching this. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah it drops back between that and... Um, so you've got Bond, M, and Bill Tanner, played by Michael Kitchen. Yeah. Who was the wartime copper. 
foil or whatever it was called. Foil, that's the one. Yeah, yeah foil. Well, yeah, because you've got, you got, you got Cracker later on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so you've got two, well, counting Romans and Steel, we've got three TV detectives in this. And then yeah, Charlie and Shark. No wonder they cracked it. <laughs> <laughs> But we're into, we get uh, we get the new MI6 so uh, yes. as an environment, so a very different office. And whilst I prefer the classic old office, this isn't a bad variant. It's very um, stylish. It's really quite stylish. We get some playful sparring with Money Penny, and even the joking about sexual harassment doesn't sound too forced to me, even though it's clearly a sop to the time in which the film's made. Which is very much that she's the nineties independent woman, isn't she? she? Is. We see, we see, we see Brosnan's uh, first narrow his eyes and purse his lips face. Yes, um, which ruins his bond. He does that a hell of a lot in this film. That's like his trademark. Yeah, that and his pain pain face. face. We do see the pain face later. Good old pain face. Um, And we get, I think, probably the best M scene in the series. Sexism sword in his dinosaur. But that is the whole sequence, though. The whole scene is really good. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. That, yeah, the MC uh, is brilliant. Because she really sets out what this version of her M is. Gets yeah, so slightly like undercut. Bond as well. Gets undercut in future weeks. But, you know, I've got, I'm brave enough to send a man to die, but I won't do it on a whim. Uh, like, yeah, it tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. But, uh, like, it's, it's like it's the same with, um, with Daniel Craig's Bond as well. I mean, like, he, you can tell that she, she trusts him more as, as, as the films go on. Yeah, although I will be arguing that's not the same end when we get there. But uh, no, <laughs> but even so, it's a really, really good sequence. Uh, it confirms GoldenEye exists. It confirms they're working with sort of better technology than we've had before. And we've got our different new team in place. Yeah. What do you reckon to... Well, we talked about the new M, so what do you think about Samantha Bond as a money penny then? Uh, great. <coughs> great, I mean... Uh, Cough it up. <laughs> Sorry, I had a lot of cough there. <coughs> right there you are. Um, I'll I'll be honest. I might be a bit controversial. I think she's probably the best money penny. Um, <gasps> as interpretation of a character, you know, it kind of it modern things up a bit more. She's playful. She gets actually more to do in terms of funny lines, and she spars back and forth. You know, rather than kind of doing the whole oh Bond. <laughs> uh, I agree for her first two entries. She's completely retconned for the last two. Yeah, but as he a is, but... yeah, but as as an, an actual, introduction, terrific. Yeah, as an actual presence and into of what this character should be, I I think she is the best. Money I money. probably agree with you there. Actually, I I rate her quite highly just because she gives as good as she gets. Yeah, Nar- um, narrowly edging I... Caroline Bliss. Don't, yeah, don't... <laughs> <laughs> no Barry <laughs> Manilow collection though. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but, uh... I think she's got she's got better taste in men, better taste in clothes, she, she, better yeah. taste in music. You know, this is a different era. She she's inviting him home I... to listen to her Michael Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. No, it's, 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 take, take that. Take that. Um... <laughs> No, um, it's the opera, don't you know? You know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a nice touch. I mean, I think they do nail the one weakness is, is maybe not necessarily a weakness, but they do kind of like nail at home where she's like, you have to make good on your innuendos one day, and mm. it's like a little bit like you're kind of asking for it there, really. I think, love. <laughs> you know, make yeah, up for it, like nearly a decade. Yeah, on. but yeah, no, like right. yeah, kind of like have a bit of bite, make him sort of like work for it, you know. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's why that's why I love her so much. Yeah, but anyway. So from there we go to a board meeting in Russia, St. Petersburg, um, and you've got Michael Jewelson's cameo as well. Yeah, um, 
I find this funny. I mean, they've done it all the way through the series, but it really stands out here in a more modern Bond, the more speaking English with yes. with Russian accents to each other. Um, <laughs> and Michael G. Wilson isn't an actor. The bit where he, he, he uh, uh, liquid morphine <laughs> threatens to ask <laughs> when liquid morphine threatens to resign, and Michael G. Wilson, but they're all going no, and his reaction is like quite theatrical. It's really funny. <laughs> He, can, he really stands out, doesn't he? So yeah, he does. I think in the next film he gets a speaking part, so it's like yay. He does. He gets a really bad speaking part though. Oh bless him! <laughs> and um, you got Defence Minister Dmitry Mishkin, um, who's played by uh, I'm going to get his name on Tereki Kareko. Is that right? <laughs> the chicken Played by uh, Chicken Teriyaki. <laughs> uh. Basically, the, the, the bad guy from uh, Bad Boys One. There you are. Yes, uh, that's the one. I and, think he's, uh, he's, he's and in he, coffee adverts now, isn't he on TV? Well, he's the original um, uh, main lead in uh, Nikita. He was uh, the, oh, really? uh, yeah, yeah. He's he was like he is. I I can't. Is it is it Michael or the the, the main sort of kind of? I'm not going to rediscover that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's that's who he is. Um, Originally, this was going to be Pushkin. Okay. Uh, I think originally written, but maybe probably we even had Dalton in mind. Uh, Fun fact, kids. Yeah, uh, but may- maybe like an early drafts, maybe. But could it... they've got Barry Manilow in? There's a lot of stunt... <laughs> there's a lot of stunt casting I've, I've, in the Brosnan. I've always think. felt that Barry Manilow should have done a Bond thing. I've always felt that. Okay. <laughs> not really, but yeah. I hope um, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Not not for not for banning not for oh, his sake. Oh, Bondi. No. <laughs> oh, no. Bondi. That's what it would be called. Featuring the hit single, Oh, Bondi. Barry. Barry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, so. Where are we again? Oh, yeah, the board meeting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, but, yeah. So in in this in this uh, board meeting, he, he kind of like obviously um, Russian general uh, or man with big hat. Yes, man with big hat. Um, is is like he's, he's not really done. He's expecting to resign so he can like bugger off with Yanis. Um, um, things don't go to plan, do they? And it's like, oh, oh shit! There's another person. Uh, right. Okay. Shit. Um, and then, yeah. So there he goes, I shall investigate immediately. And then, uh, then do we get Bond driving in Russia? And we get the Q yeah. scene. Oh, shit, yeah, the Q scene. How, got Q. How can I forget the Q scene? It's really random. There's bits of plot chunked in. Like, this like, is yeah. the scene, this is the scene the I was referring to. Bro- yeah. Just watch Brosnan in this sequence. Just do yourself a favour, put the film on, and when you get to this sequence, just watch Pierce Brosnan. He's not bad, but it's so self-conscious. He's obviously really thinking about, right, how do I have to look when I do this? How do I have to look when I say this bit? What's my reaction here? And poor old Desmond Llewellyn, at this point, is 81 years of age. He's reading off idiot boards. And he's reading off idiot boards. Now, next week, you've got a worse director in a worse film, (gasps) but he shoots the the cue scene better. Do it in short takes in close-up. Yeah, I do love There's it. Too many wide shots in this, and it ruins it because Q is it. Desmond Llewellyn's too old, and you can, see, you can uh, see that he's reading. Pierce it's... Brosnan is too self-conscious. There's a good Q scene, though. I do like it. And what's he doing with like a big sandwich just lying about? 
I think that was going to be included in the script, wasn't it? But Bond was going to pick it up and say, you know, what, what does this do, Q? And then obviously he just goes, don't touch that, that's my lunch. Yeah. So I think that was a remnant from an older scene that was left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Um, and also we're introduced to the car with Stinger missiles and all the rest of it. You never see any of it. You never see any of it. And again, I think some of that was the late introduction of the BMW contract being completed. But I think also it, it's choppily edited. And as I say, people who hold this film in very high esteem, very, very high esteem, don't seem to notice these bits, that it's quite cho- choppily edited together. Its pacing's a bit weird. And so little actually happens in the second half of the film. But um, it is <coughs> nice to see Desmond Llewellyn back. I mean, I'm, I'm always happy to see him. And I don't hate this sequence, but this is not how you shoot an 81-year-old man with a failing memory. No, bless him. Well, how you feeling, for sure. But I, I, do, I do like... I don't some think good visual gags in it, though. Yeah, like the phone box um, and the ejector seat towards the end of the key scene as well. Yeah. It's very good fun. Yeah. So, yeah, don't dislike the sequence. And in some respects, in terms of the detail, it's probably one of the better cue sequences. It's just the way it's shot with... I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't think it was, but I wouldn't be surprised if this had been the first thing Pierce Brosnan shot. Because it's got first day nerves written all over it. Mm, it is quite self-conscious during it. Yeah, so maybe. absolutely. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've always found Brosnan fine in the scene, really. I'd, I'd, I'd always think he's like kind of nailed it. I, th- I feel like he's having fun. And he's kind of got the whole idea of the, the, the Q scene of like Bond just going around irritating Q, saying yeah. quips and just like, yeah, I'm just... Filling with things. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think he just kind of like got the... The idea, but maybe you might be right. You know, obviously, you know these things would play. No, not a single, th- not a single scene Brosnan does in this film ruins anything. It's all fine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then he flies over to Russia. Yeah, or Epsom Downs. Epsom, that was it. I was yeah. like, that's what? No, it's Epsom. Where, <laughs> where he meet, meets Wade, Jack Wade. Where he meets uh, gardening where... enthusiast Jack Wade. <laughs> yeah. Bird enthusiast, really. Oh, don't like this character. Never have. Uh, worse next week, and I think the Tomorrow Never Dies bit makes it seem worse than it is. The awful Hawaiian and shirts. I, yeah, awful Hawaiian shirts, ridiculously loud, everything slightly comedic. He's not like the anti-CIA agent. Not that keen. <laughs> so so basically like, uh, like uh, Sheriff uh, <laughs> Pepper. <really>. Sheriff Pepper. <laughs> he's, worth him. he's worse, him or Pepper. Pepper, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a, it's not so bad this week. It's terrible next week. But in both cases, fairly short. Um, and it's basically yeah. a go between, isn't it? He's it's basically of, a go between. Into I know it sounds dodgy, but you know. I don't I mean. know why that is not Felix Leiter. Yeah, what went on with that? Maybe they couldn't get somebody to play him. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, they're they're very specific in the type of actor they cast as Felix Leiter. Yes, yeah, it has to be the same. Very person. defined physical <laughs> type. It, it would be. I mean, they would definitely have like rewritten uh, *License Kill* um, out of existence if if shown up like not regularly. Cause I can't imagine. Oh it, yeah, I guess. Felix I mean, yeah, would be right. like what, missing what if, a leg. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. But I mean, what if he did have a limp and a, you know? Well, you wouldn't have a limp. You wouldn't have no leg. <laughs> well, you, people the people do wear false legs. Then obviously in casino. What was? Do you want to see him so. just hopping into shot? Like Blackadder, <laughs> that episode. Sorry about the bag. You'll be telling me, telling me his arms growing back next. Your <laughs> wife could do more. Time's up. No, it isn't. 
I did quite well on this podcast. I want to watch Pop Canada. Yeah. Superman. Um, <laughs> everything. So, yeah, I mean, I've never been that fond of this character, but it's quite a short sequence. There are a couple of good lines in it, and Bond is where he needs to be. So, yeah. It's just a, basically a way to get him from A to B, pretty much. So. And the next scene is? Uh, inside the church. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah you're going to test, it, test the computers, isn't you? And then it goes to the church. Yeah. It, it, again, it's, it's like, it's how it's set or it's together, isn't it? Um, yeah, she goes to, like, the... Um, the testing, which I, I, I think it's kind of, it's a good scene for her because it shows that she's actually smart and she's thinking. She's not like like oh my god, what do I do? And you know, she's actually sort of she's a hacker with her own skills. Yeah, she well, she's 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 thinking for herself and she's playing it smart, you know. So I think uh, in terms of Bond girls and everything, I know you'll see um, Bond rescues here a couple of times, but I think she's quite kick-ass. She's you know she can stand on her own two feet and yeah. she knows how to use a gun and she knows her way around a computer and she's yeah. But still, be, still be vulnerable as well, and kind of. Oh like, yeah, and def- yeah, still, and, people, yeah. yeah, still be able to do the vulnerability side of it as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I generally think she's actually quite a good in this in this film. I think she's a good Bond girl. Um, yeah, success. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so uh, she she sort of she basically sort of tracks down Boris, who she doesn't yet know, uh, or she or she knows that he hasn't been killed, so she doesn't know that he's, yeah, he's actually been involved. Well, we we don't know as an audience really. Um, so she finds Boris and she says meet him at a church. And then, uh, yeah, we get more scenes with Jack Wade and uh, Boston. How they're going to meet uh, Cracker, the Russian Cracker. <laughs> just, just, just before we get to Cracker, um, this is probably noticed already, but you can go visit the church where Boris meets Natalia. It's um, the Church of St. Sophia in Bayswater in London. Um, is it's it? Very, it? Yeah, it's, it's, I didn't realise this until recently. Um, a couple of friends of mine from across the pond went to visit it. Um, and it's left largely unchanged since then and it's a beautiful beautiful church um, if you can get to it I highly recommend it it's so beautiful um, so yeah and it's in Bayswater in London so you can you can visit if you're in the capital I'll have to do that when I'm next I know some people quite like churches so that's good fun but yeah it's just quite yeah, beautiful absolutely. inside but anyway uh, yeah so we go to see yeah Cracker <laughs> yeah um, so yeah I, I kind of like this scene um, I always thought... well Hagrid Hagrid as well don't forget yeah, well, I'm not a part of Fusos, so. Um, oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, but he was still in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But he's I, not. He didn't go uncredited because you I, don't. Like I, it. I know, but you know, but to me, he's more cracker than you know. Yeah, he's of the yeah. era, isn't it? Really, so. Yeah. Um, than Dumbledore or whatever he's called. Uh, Hagrid, sorry. That's, <gasps> you just go show how much. He just arranged all the Potterheads. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, they can um, deal with it. I don't, I don't. I'm not. I'm, I'm not into Harry Potter, so deal with it. Sorry, I get names wrong. Um, That's one series we won't be reviewing then. <laughs> I, I no. I happily watch Potter. I'm having a problem with it, but I'm just not. Like, not no, enthusiast. not a big fan. No, no, I'm just not enthusiastic about it. Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah. Cracker. I always thought he would be in it more. I mean, they do kind of like sort of drop things like, oh, well, I'll, I'll give you a tip about this deal that's happening here, and never really sort of throw back to it, but. Um, we see him again later on, and no, word is not enough, don't we? Yeah, we do, and it's it's a nice sort of <coughs> to see him uh, back again. But um, yeah, I think the scene works quite well. I kind of like how you know they they they've got like history, uh, and it doesn't feel jarring. That's like you know you buy the fact that you know they're kind of like frenemies in a kind of weird way. Sorry to use that term. Yeah, it's kind of like ill. But um, <laughs> the, yeah, but they they've got like a rivalry, but they've you know got like a bit of a mutual respect for each other. I feel like we've got more chemistry here 
than he has you know he has with um, Zukowski than he has with with Trevelyan. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it, it, it does feel lived <laughs> in, and it's already helped by a Mini Driver singing really badly in the background. Oh God, uh, strong and cat. Yeah. <laughs> That is it, yeah. My mistress. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like. Yeah, I liked how like you just willing to just sort of shoot Bond in the leg, you know, and sort of shoot between the balls as well. You know, it's like it's <laughs> it's it, 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 it's a good scene, and it also shows like Boston sort of go shit. Um, yeah, he's really he nearly has his nuts cut off then, doesn't he? So yeah, but but, it, yeah, but I, I like the scene. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I like the scene fine as well. I, I I do kind of less so now, but again at the time, as much as I enjoyed Goldeneye probably more than than I do now, this sequence always played like something had been lost in the edit. As I watch it now, actually he got everything he went there for, so probably not. Yeah. But yeah, I've often watched this thinking something's been truncated here. It's a strange feeling I've still got when I watch it, I, I, but the sequence is pretty good. Yeah, I, th- I, I guess something's missing. I guess it's just like you just feel like you're wanting more from that character. Mm. Maybe. I don't yeah, know. I feel like he's got, he's got so much more to give, and like you could say, oh, yeah. you know, there's still a lot more to expect from him. Yeah. Not not in terms of accent action, but yeah, I kind of think there has been a scene that's been snipped out. Yeah. The line. Yeah. So. He, he does get one of the best lines in the film, which is like, "What a BK." <laughs> uh, yeah. Only three men I know such as gun. I believe I've I believe got two, got two of them. Yeah, the the the, um, the ubiquity or otherwise of the Walther PPK changes all the way through the series because sometimes it's standard issue, sometimes it isn't. When he got the doctor, no, it was like standard. You know, it was standard CIA issue, and now it's like three guys use it, and what he actually means is one guy uses it. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's the only one. Oh. Mm. But yeah, it's it's good scene anyway. But anyway, um, where we go to next? So uh, uh, Natalia gets captured. Sorry, say that again. So Natalia gets captured. Yes. And, and, and then uh, Bond's given a tip. Basically, Bond's given a tip from uh, Cracker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's his name. Yeah. Well, that's weird because I think to, to American audience, yeah, it's uh, probably uh, like a, a white person or something, isn't it? It's got a completely different meaning. Well, let's give him his proper meaning. Valentine, well, Valentine, <laughs> Valentine uh, Sugovsky, is that right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Valentine uh, Dmitrievich Sugovsky? Yeah, that's the one. Um, he gets tipped to like, arrange a meeting with Janet, with uh, Janice. Janice. Janice? Janice? Who yeah, is this? Janice. Guy? And, um, and it, which essentially is on the top, like, sort of tries to kill him. In a spa, basically. That's like the most brutal sex scene ever. <laughs> is it really a sex scene? It's not really a sex not scene. Quite. I mean, he's played yeah. like a sex scene, I suppose, but is you know, is a full-on... Full-play scene. Yeah. Ah, sorry. <laughs> apparently, she broke, apparently she broke some ribs or something during the scene. Yeah, uh, He did really slam her against the wall. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, she asked him to, but apparently she broke some ribs and uh, yeah, was in quite a lot of pain. And that's despite the walls being padded as well, like all made of yeah. rubber. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was nothing to do. It's just trying to do a scene properly, and yeah. But you know, f- f- fair play to good uh... sequence though. Um, 
nice of them nice of the makers of the Tomb Raider video game to make that set available to them yeah um, I wonder why I saw that before <laughs> it was a bit I just thought it this time when I was seeing it but Brosnan's great in this sequence Xenia's gr- well not Xenia uh, Famke Janssen's really great in this sequence I, you know the, the, this film is getting up for all I've said over the weeks about you know it's overrated and everything else this film is getting a lot more right than it's getting wrong yeah I think it, what thing where it falls down is how it makes sense uh, in the grand scheme yeah, if you of things, get apart too closely, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's the plot really. And yeah, it, it does. A lot of the individual sequences have bits that you really enjoy and they're well played. But they don't make a sense. They don't make a sense. What's he doing that for? And yeah. why would he do that? And if he's gone in there, why does he come out there? And so on. It, it, there's so much of that in this script. You can't scrutinise it too closely. You can't. You really mustn't. Yeah. Um, like what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 name the game though. I mean, like yeah. I mean, my main thing is I just find the other, the other Bond, Bond Brosnan films more entertaining, um, which is an odd thing to say, really, because, you know, it's not because I think this film is not any better for, you know, it's not, it's, I, this is probably, like, a better film than um, than any of the Bond films that Brosnan's done, but I kind of prefer watching the others, <laughs> and that makes it, yeah, it's just weird. But, um, but yeah, uh, so he basically... This is where we uh, get our first reintroduction to Alex Trevelyan. Yeah, they kind of meet in a well, what can be described as a, a communist graveyard, I guess, isn't it? It's yeah, like, I mean, it's a, it's a lovely set as well. A lovely. Set. Yeah, it's really atmospheric, really creepy. Um, um, probably lots of dry ice, maybe. Yeah, uh, not before uh, Boston delivers a good judo chop to. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's a judo chop, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's a judo chop. <laughs> I just think that every time I say it, it's like Judas. Oh. And we get the every debut of the pain it. face. <laughs> pain face, yeah. Well, that, that that's not till later on in, in the helicopter. No, no, we see it here as well when she gets him on the when she gets her ties around him. Oh, so you get yeah. it a lot, you yeah. get it a lot more on the helicopter though. As I say, whatever's done to Brosnan, the director always says to him, "You're being strangled, Pierce." Use your pain face. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, the good old pain face. But it's a good sequence. It's well played. Brosnan at this stage of his career is in shape, really looks the part. He's looking good. It's really great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's been told, like, this is where he's going to meet the, the leader, Yanis himself, the leader. And. Then behold, it's Alex Trevelyan. It's it? like. Yeah, and it's it's this point where you're like, oh, what a surprise! It's not really a surprise, it's a twist. No, it's, it's like the, the person who was second billing who we just saw get killed is actually the, the secret villain. Oh, wow, well, that's, <gasps> oh that's a shocker. He's <laughs> um, now got this massive scar up his face as well. Yeah. Yeah, and here we again we run into a, skip, a script issue or the variants of, of different scripts. Originally this uh, was either written with this person in mind or offered to Anthony Hopkins. This was supposed to be... Uh, very much a mentor figure, 006. And that survives in the plot with a much younger actor. So you've got Sean Bean in his mid to late 30s playing a character that would be in his 50s at the very least, if not his 60s. Well, didn't they, didn't they explore, I mean, I, I don't know. Did... His, parents were, his, parents, his parents were betrayed during World War, uh, at the very end of World War II <clears throat> and handed back to Stalin to be killed, basically. And they assumed he was too young to have remembered. Well, they've actually explained this. They, they, um, he they, has to be at least 55. No, um, they, 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 they survived it 
uh, they've actually they they I'm not sure they actually survived. They didn't get killed back then. But okay. what, what, what did happen? So they, there were some years afterwards. But what happened was uh, that he couldn't live with the the guilt, so he, he killed himself before killing um, not before killing his uh, wife. Uh, right. After having a child, so okay. they kind of like redcon that. So kind of like definitely the definitely the whole point that it was a World War Two yeah. thing though does relate to the fact that it was meant to be a much older it, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah. Anthony Hopkins at sense. this point would have been seventy nine. Uh, sorry, fifty nine, sixty, something like that. Um, yeah, so, you so he missed out on Bond World twice. Then twice. He, we're going to talk. We're going to talk, talk about, about that again next week. Next week, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he was. Um, uh, it survives into this script and it just doesn't quite work for me. And again, you've got Sean Bean with his single expression and posh voice. Doesn't really work for yeah. me. It's all right in concept. Yeah. Good job, old boy. Oh, your parents died in a climbing <laughs> accident. It's like... Oh, I it's murdered by Stalinist. Accident. It's, it's very, very plummy. Very plummy yeah, it, and he, it doesn't suit... It shouldn't be coming out of that head, that voice. No. Yeah. This is why he's like moustache twirling. If he had a if he had a tash, he'd be twirling it. And I don't know what the blind. plot is here now. Not get a gun on Bond, but it's only a tranquilizer dart, so you can knock him out in order to, that when he comes round, you can kill him in an environment that you can get out of, so that when Again, he does that, you can point a gun at him. I mean, I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind that to a degree because that's just a common trope in all Bond films. It's oh, just, yeah. I know, but it's, it's really that. tortured here, though. Because yeah. of the sequence of events. He's shot, but it's not a gun. To be put into something that would kill him, but he could get out of, because they put the escape thing right by your head, just in case you look round really <laughs> sharply. <laughs> and then when you get out of that, they point a gun at you in order to incarcerate you, and you think, well, why not just do that in the first place? Why just shoot him? Yeah. It's not great, but... It's, this, we talked about earlier about um, the model work and everything. I must say, this is one of the, the scenes where it's the most obvious. Like, there's a scene. Obviously, they they um, come out with like money managed to escape by ejector seat, like escape yes. pod. And um, it, it doesn't. And it is. It's clearly a model floating down. Reminds me of Die Hard too. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit like that. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, um, that's probably I don't mind that. where, where where they used a uh, a, a puppet model, Bruce Willis. No. Yeah, literally a <laughs> no. puppet figurine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the the bit that doesn't work for me, <coughs> and like this this whole thing that Trevelyan's got a grudge against Bond because mm. he, after presumably watching him get killed, change like changed the the. The time on the on the detonators, like Where he changed uh, it just yeah, which that. is why he's now scarred. So he holds Bond accountable. Well, it was almost like you left me to die, and you think, well, no, it was a setup. Yeah, not really. Well, no, well, it, well, no you were you were dead, or you you got shot in the head. Dead. I know. Does it really? What what were you worried about? He was going to leave a less pretty corpse. Yeah. It, none yeah. of none of the pre-title when we keep coming back to it through this bit of plot makes any sense whatsoever. It's no, like it's you, you, you think about, or, or maybe like you know, um, Russian Smirnoff Ice, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's his name, which is made up in my head. Like, what, <laughs> did, what, was he in? Was he involved at that time, or was that like something that that yet yeah, that um, that 006 got involved with afterwards? Uh, but, no, it's got to be a but, setup because if he shot him in the head and it yeah. wasn't a scam, he'd be dead. I know. Yeah. So it just doesn't make sense. I just, I yeah. It, I mean, scar as well. I mean, the, what what is annoying is is like if they just shot him in the chest and not said anything, we'd all assume bulletproof vest. And then because he's got one scarred side to his face, and 
it plays into like two faces. Mm. He sets yeah, up yeah, the Yanis Corporation. Corporation. And I think, well, if if I'd been in some accident that wasn't my fault, where like my genitals got ripped off, I wouldn't. You call claims direct. I wouldn't. I wouldn't then go and start. I wouldn't then go and start Eunuch Enterprises. So what, what's the whole Yanis thing about? It's illegal. It's a front, isn't it? It's a... Well, no, it, no, it's, it's, it's tied in with his history with his parents, and you know. And... But it's almost like you know the thing he's really furious about. He's like used to, as a brand. It's weird. No, but they do, they, but they do get put in prison, and this sequence is pretty good. This whole next four or five minutes is pretty good. Oh, what, and they get captured by the Russians? And... Yeah, well, they get captured, they get interrogated. Brosnan is really, like, cheeky here. They don't do a proper... No chit-chat? No chit-chat? You know, that he does that really well. Um, they start shouting for no yeah. reason. The it's escape's like... really good. I'm reminded again, Brosnan's really in shape because you see a lot of him hanging from stuff, and there's no like belly overhang or anything. He's in really good shape, and then of course it leads to the tank sequence. Tank yeah, chase, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's quite a good like, action. It kind of reminds me, well, the, not the tank sequence, but the whole shooty of like of presumably just Russian soldiers doing their job, but. Yeah. <laughs> But it kind of reminds me of where Eagle's there because just like all the massive like just bodies pile up and stuff, just like just just like just machine gunning like mass soldiers. Um, Isn't this film meant to have like one of the highest body counts in the in the Bond series, or well, certainly in the in Brosnan's Bond era? It's actually like because Brosnan's like the most lethal Bond, isn't he? And he's killed the most people. Yes, but that's yes. because they kept putting machine guns in his hand. Well, yeah. Exactly, that's I'm why. Pretty, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he kills more people in next week in next film. Yeah, I think he probably does. Quite possibly. Uh, wouldn't be surprised. I don't yeah. know, but his, his films just lack a bit of finesse because they come into very action-heavy era of cinema mm. and they're a little bit insecure about how popular these films are going to be. So rather than this little pistol, he fires a lot of machine guns and it does his films no... He shoots them all up. It doesn't do his films any favours in retrospect. But this is not the worst example we'll see. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah so say Tank Chase. Yeah, which is a very Bond thing as well. I think it's like, you know, I mean, I've I've always kind of like it's not my it's my least favorite part of the film, uh, in terms of like the action set pieces. But again, it's like, oh well, it's Bond in a. In a this a is time. like the the biggest action set piece of, of the film, I think. Yeah, I'd say that's, so. that's yeah. Kind of what, that's kind of what, what you're going to get. What it's going to be known for, which, which probably says a lot about me, really, where I just switch off and everyone's like, it's everyone's favourite bit. Which <laughs> <laughs> um, is maybe parts but, of the, yeah, the rest of the film are so, not so poor, but yeah. I say you can't scrutinise them too much. And I mean, then, that's not even a word, is it? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, well, the thing that stood out for me is, like, from the very last scene, uh, from the scene before it, we have him, like, essentially just killing off lots of, like, Russian soldiers. Now he's in a tank. It's like, the film makes every effort to make sure. Oh no, no, they all survive. Sorry, they all live. They all survive, and it, it's just a bit of an odd sort of contrast. It's like, mm. oh, 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 right, okay, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know yeah. because obviously they they play it for a bit more of a jovial kind of way. They kind of like, yeah, you know, I think it's it's do that. It's just like an odd contrast. as like in terms of it gone from Bond being a badass and killing loads of people to kind of like. Don't worry, everyone, everyone lived. It's fine, you know. You just run over a car and just people just fall out. You know, it's a, uh, it's just yeah, a bit of an odd contrast. Yeah, yeah, a bit of an odd one. But you know, I get. But one of the things I did pick up on was um, how all of a sudden uh, the Russian Oromov 
Um, yeah, you got it right. Yay! <laughs> uh, yeah, Oromoth is basically kind of sweating a lot now. He's like, shit, everything's gone shit great. And we don't we don't have much to go on of, like, why is he kind of sweating here? He drinks as well, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he's nervous here. I know, and he's gone from, like, he fancies himself as the next Iron Man of Russia to... No, he's to... To a mess immediately. Yeah, I mean, like, use the bumper. That's what it's for. I mean, like, I assume it's because shit's not gone to plan, and now, and now, now he's sweating. Now he's like, oh my god, oh my god, 006 is gonna. I'm gonna be in trouble. Oh my god, it's like. But we haven't even linked the two yet, really. Yeah. No, it's there's so no reason for him to be a jibbering witch. It's it's you know, it, it, we'd have been best sense. served be giving a better idea of. At least seeing them in the same room before this. But yeah. Maybe there's a scene that we're missing somehow. Quite possibly. I definitely think this film has some choppy editing. And the thing is, it's not that long by Bond film standards. And I do just wonder if they were thinking, let's keep it a bit shorter. We don't want it too long. You can understand all the sort of sops to audience this film would have made. You can understand why they are the way they are. Sure. But um, I, I, I like him as a character. I like him as a Bond film. I do. Um, yeah, I, definitely. I just think he's probably a bit underserved here. I, I, feel, I always feel when he gets killed off at the train, it feels like he's... It's too soon. There's no like, real consequence I, to it. I, I, felt, so I, felt, really. I felt like he had more. I mean, you we were him. wasted. We've wasted a potential great in order to get a character who's too young speaking in the wrong voice and not very, <laughs> yeah. not very well thought out character. No, yeah, that's well, uh, that's probably it. And he just feels like he's he's not embellished enough. You know, he's too... Obviously, he's, like, he's gone literally from... from very one-dimensional. What, what, I'd have but, been much happier if um, Liquid Morphine had been sort of <laughs> uh, a bloodshot, weird version of M with 006 yeah. as his lead agent. Like the anti-M. In, yeah, a, sort of, in a sort of shadow... Parallel world. 006, yeah. Uh, sorry, MI6. Yeah, it's funny you say that, because I always thought that the character, that Sean Bean's character would be better suited as more as a henchman, the lead henchman, as probably in terms of, well, he's, he's really the lead villain, like the Red Grant kind of thing, you know. Yeah. He's, 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 he's the main villain in the forefront of the film, but in terms of the plot, he's a henchman. Instead, you, you get rid of this guy who could be, you know, military coup to take over a country material. Yeah. And replace him with a disgruntled guy. I just, I, I was just saying, I think as it's becoming very clear, whilst I don't, I think there's been worse villains in the series, I don't see a lot in 006 I like yeah. beyond the concept of it's another 00 agent. Yeah, I, I think it would work a lot better if they, if they played it colder and they played it more the fact that he's, 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 he's gone, he's gone, he's gone to the other side. Um, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's pissed off. Give whatever reason. He's pissed off for whatever reason, and he he holds Bond accountable for whatever, and just be, have him be like kind of ruthless, and just have him more of as like a red, red Grant kind of thing, because uh, that'll work a heck of a lot more, especially for Sean Bean as well, who you know who who is kind of like got that kind of like that that ruthlessness to him, you know, when he wants to, you know, so. That kind of edginess, you know, that kind of bit more of a raw. Shall I want to say northern? Basically, have a northern bond. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but as a as a baddie, you know, yeah, that that would work fine. That that would probably be great, you know. Um, but they've just kind of like ever thought that I thought, and you know, it just doesn't work. Yeah. 
absolutely. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, so where we are. So, yeah, so we get up to the scene with the train where Bond uh, drives his tank. And this is this is where it really cements I don't like Sean Bean in this role. I think it's that sequence, although I do quite like the I would. That's quite good. Yeah, that's quite a good sort of bit of there, isn't it? It shows him being a bit of a petulant child. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I, I kind of... I do and I don't like that because it, I, I don't... It, I like, doesn't, it doesn't suit with a guy with those sort of grand ambitions and plans. No, yeah, really. it's, it's like, oh, oh, me and James share everything. Like, and, and this whole thing is you like... Probably, you probably don't as well. And it's like, yeah. it, it's like oh, lovely girl. Tastes like strawberries. It's like, I, well, I won't know because the time I spent with her has been in uh, Russian custody. So, yeah. <laughs> like, so and, 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 and the rest of the time I've been, like, you know, been in, like hostile situations either shooting at people and running time. so you tell me at any point where I can strike any moment of romantic chemistry with this person yeah not only yeah. that I'd have probably done yeah, it from behind just so I could <laughs> keep an eye on the door because yeah. we were in a prison cell just to spite you so yeah. so it, it does strike me as like kind of like instantly presuming but it doesn't help the fact that instantly the moment they get out of the train they, they're getting it off they're literally like snogging and it's like where the fuck did that come from so um, none of it really yeah as I say it, it just somewhere this film is always we're missing a bit there we yeah. must be but I, I like I like on the top of this uh, I mean I noticed another thing that um, Frankie Jensen was kind of a bit concerned now she had nothing to do in the scene uh, and I like yeah, this ha- last part of the film she really falls down um, she doesn't she has like a big squeeze you know during a death scene but apart from that she does not very much to do she has but very little I, lines I, not very I, much to do I like how I like what she does, even though she doesn't say have any lines of dialogue. How she's just literally like when when Sean Bean says the strawberries line, she's just a cut to her like sort of like sort of sucking her glove or something. Yeah, yeah like her finger. It's just this kind yeah. of like really kind of like perverted kind of like villainous sort of look, and it's like it just it speaks more than any line of dialogue would, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I like how she kind of like is still a presence in the scene, even though she has like one line of dialogue, which is like they're going to derail us. Uh, and and how she's like kind of like she's kind of secretly excited how you know they're gonna like crash into like a tank, um, so yeah. yeah I again it you know it 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 has problems but you know whatever whatever just go with it yeah and then uh, yeah they did then they did manage to track down um, Boris's satellite when the exhibition uh, exhibition what the fuck am I talking <laughs> about. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, from the information they got from uh, Boris originally from the uh, before the, before he was a baddie, um, so you know I can track his satellite. So, so, so track his location, you, like, and not figure out the most obvious clue in the world, which is like uh, you can swaz it, you can you, you can sit on it, but you can't take it with you. Uh, yeah, so it's not a difficult one, though. Yeah, she's thinking oh, uh, bottom, to rear. It's not going to uh, be my asshole, is like, it? Chair, buttons, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny because like she struggles on it so much, and she's just and then, like and so, so she's like, Bond, what do you think, Chair? He just barks. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bond, what do you expect? Yeah. God, I've only got to shag you. Because <laughs> frankly, I don't want conversation if that's the, if that's the level. <laughs> so they make their way to Cuba, where they look like they're on honeymoon. They drive along in the car, the sort of five seconds of the car we get, 
and she's looking at him like, "What a lovely, what a lovely, you know, break this is." Very strange. Yeah, just that expression. Like, and then Wade decides like, oh, yeah, to land the plane right over you, them because who else are you gonna get to like denuclearize uh, Golden Eye or whatever it is? Denuclearize or whatever yes. it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, what? Because surely no one else can do it. Like, oh, I know. But uh, yeah, just really bad. But you know, it, it this section of the film does start to lose me. It's not uncommon for Bond films, but we see Wade again. And Wade is there to kind of tell him how to find Trevelyan off the books because he's not really the CIA, have no knowledge he's there, supposedly. And he takes the car and you get some line, some very bad line about bombing around in it. Yeah. And then they fly off. Uh, there's some poor model work here, but they fly off to find the satellite, which somehow needs to be the size of an entire, you know, dam or whatever it is. It's a bit of a Union of Twice vibe, isn't it? With all hidden Yeah, satellites. a little bit. I, I do quite like the idea. We haven't had a lair for a while, actually. And I, I do think of this as a lair. Yeah, uh, it's very much Vin's lair, isn't it? And, and I kind of quite like it. As I say, you've got a lot of Boris who's coming in from a different film, it feels like. Um, and I, like I say, I'm never sure about 006, but it's all pretty good. Natalia plays a decent part. I think this is all okay. Yeah. Apart from some cheap back projection. I do quite like Natalia here as well. I mean, she gets to kind of more, you see more of her, like, in terms of action and kind of fending for herself. Yeah, absolutely. She she does do everything computer-based. She does actually get involved. She effectively has to rescue Bond, well, not rescue Bond, but kind of like, you know, they, Bond and Trevelyan have this epic fist fight. And so um, Natalia basically kind of has to, you know, get the chopper along and say, right, okay, jump on. So she, I think she does effectively rescue him. I think the fight sequence between the two of them is fairly good. It's an epic, yeah. brutal fight sequence. Yeah. Oh my life! It is. But it's it, like, um, it's, like a big chicken fight. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it strikes me as a bit odd because we like we had a, a bit of a brief shootout and then Bond gets captured, and it's one of the the moments I I kind of I kind of like. It's uh, it, it was in this kind of trailer. It's a briefest shot of basically Bond just literally setting bombs and. Like bullets are flying past Sony, kind of just like sort of just like nudge his head past, like as if he's not got care in the world. That's a good moment. Um, but you know, you get, you get the scene with the the pen grenade, which is which is kind of which yeah, which is kind of fun. I'm and then about that. and then and then like literally as soon as that goes off, he gets in a lift, and he got this whole layer, whole full of like armed guards, and the only real fight sequence there is or shootout is between him and Alec it just strikes me as a bit oh I think that the, I think the overall scene isn't that well put together yeah. but having watched it again today I've I've never been that fond of the sort of 007 006 sort of smackdown sequence and it's actually alright and particularly yeah, the close sequence, particularly yeah. the close close quarter stuff where they're in the room with sort of all the mechanics of it all and they're getting quite close to each other physically in there that's all pretty good the whole idea is that obviously they're, they're equals pretty much. They've had the same training, yeah. and, you know, similar sort of thing. So yeah. it's, it's going to be a stalemate, basically. It's Brosnan's stuntman, obviously, but, but Brosnan's bond takes a bit of a battering. Not just... It does. But, you know, falling, flying downstairs and smacking into railings mm. and things like that. You feel like so, both of them get hurt. Yeah, it's all pretty good. You, you really do feel it. Well, yeah. I certainly did. Well, that's probably down to Martin Campbell's sensibility as well, because we kind of so. we, we see that, editing. we see that hell of a lot more in Casino Royale as well. That kind of yeah, vibe absolutely. of that, and, and yeah, that's Anthem. his style. Yes. <laughs> oh dear, let's ignore that, shall we? <laughs> yeah. 
Some really dodgy back projection around the death of Trevelyan. I've never liked the for England James just because of the way he speaks. Uh, but again, it is a callback. <laughs> uh, it's okay. And the way he hits the deck is really convincingly bone crushing. It's the most violent death in the movie. This is probably the first time, and I'm trying to think of any other times, I've actually seen someone who's fallen from a, from a great height and actually watch him land. You don't, you don't, you don't see that. No, you I think, and, and it's kind of an odd thing to say, but like this, this is a twelve certificate film, yes. <laughs> and we actually see something like that happen. And he's yeah, yeah. Um, so this, this is the only time I've actually remember seeing something like that happen. And he survives the fall, but his his body is clearly smashed. Yeah, as it would be. Yeah, he's not. Getting Sean up Bean it, plays that sequence really well. Yeah, it's really believable. Um, actually... And just as he notices the the sort of mechanics of the whole structure falling onto him. <laughs> That's quite gruesome, fin- isn't it? In yeah, it finishes with a shitty Boris joke. Oh, um, I'm invincible. <laughs> he gets frozen. Yeah, just and now back to carry on computing. It kind of it kind of suits his character, though, doesn't it? Like he would die. Yeah, it suits his in... character, but his character should be in this film. It yeah he's... yeah he's he's a funny one, but I I think it's it's funny. The like, overall line is like he gets his comeuppance, but it doesn't ruin the film, and it's all gone all right. It you know and. The only thing is, I think the end of the film's a bit abrupt. You know, he sort of jumps onto the craft, lands, romances are a bit... Yo, Marines! Calls her sort of darling, very Roger Moore style. Then you get Yo, Marines, and then a really, really bad song. In that kind of like, oh, wow, we just did it in front of everyone. (laughs) But they didn't. Well, yeah, we started, like, kissing in front of everyone, and then, like... It would have been funnier if he'd been hanging out the back of her when they... Yo, Marines! (laughs) Oh, shit! I am finished! (laughs) Hold on a minute. (laughs) Uh, yeah, and then we get probably the greatest song ever by Eric Experience Sarah. Of love. Experience oh of God. love, sung by the Eric Sarah, by Eric Sarah, the composer of the film. Doing a Peter Gabriel impression. I don't know what it is. I don't think I've ever heard a song quite this sappy. I'd rather, I'd rather have Ace of Bass than this. Because I'd rather have Ace be, of Bass than this. Be, they should have gone with Ace of Bass. I never thought we'd say it a second time <laughs> in the same show. Because <gasps> that's. Um, the actual song "Goldeneye" is not actually used in any of the the score. You know, it's like none of the sort of range. No, it used. wasn't. And again, that's all no. timing issues. That is uh, all timing issues. Okay. It wasn't consciously ignored. I, I I do wonder whether, like, when Eric was scoring this film, he actually thought I should write a bomb theme, and then he, <laughs> then he wrote this thinking that this, this will be like the main thing, and it's yeah. like, and then he hands uh, it in, and they're like, "Thanks, that'll go great over." <laughs> yeah, cheers, that'll do. You know, everyone walking out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the ushers will love it because it will clear it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's like it's like the it's like the one for license to kill. Like to me, it's that's not, pretty it's, bad as well. Yeah, I don't, it's I don't just so one. forgettable. because yeah. I'm just because I'm personally I'm, I'm not familiar with you know with with the the composer outside of this film. Um, I think it wasn't it. Um, he did Leon it, the previous year. Leon, that was it. Yeah, the, the two are vaguely similar. And other things. I think you prob- will probably find he did do Nikita and stuff like that. Oh, definitely. The, it's just, one of choice, but I know he did Leon. It's just the same. It's just so not memorable to me, and it's just like, oh, really? Okay. But again, I can see why producers are going to hedge their bets after six years away and just go for a few things that yeah, maybe a bit different. are are of the time that they're now in. Yeah. Apparently they did offer it to John Barry who turned it down, so we could have ended up with a much more traditional score. Yeah. But I can sort of see why we didn't. Yeah. This this film would suit a Barry score so nicely. It would, I, I was going to say Barry would have done a better job. 
just, well, he would have, not only would he have done a better job, but Goldeneye would truly, computers aside, have a much more timeless classic feel mm. to it. That is undercut for me by its score. I think yeah, that, I would agree that, with that really does. does it's a major mark against the film because most of my most of my favorite Bond films have very very good scores. It does yeah. matter to me. It isn't no, the just score is the only thing that dates it really. Otherwise, it's a yeah, solid movie. Dates it badly. It's not. Yeah. It's not too much of a problem for me. Mm. Um, I, I think there are moments in the score where it, it is actually there are. It's, it's actually really good, it, or, it, or it's fine, or it's it, it's very Bayeresque. You know, it's just it's just certain moments you think, oh no, that doesn't work, yeah. and it, it, or, or like all oh, that could have been better. But it's it's literally the, the the ones that stand out is the main standout is that car chase, uh, and and a few sort of like. I think that was the point I was making when we had Charlie on. I can't remember if it was on the show or when we were talking before we recorded, yeah. but I, I was saying then that the, the bad bits of the score are the bits you remember, and they overwhelm the rest of it. They do. Whereas something like Never Say Never Again, not official series, I know, but that score has very little that's redeeming. So on that basis, this score is probably a bit better, but its bad bits are so bad. And that's our introduction to Brosnan. Um, very well it's a good thought. Good solid of, entry. Good solid entry. I certainly think it's uh, top half. I think it's probably maybe fighting to get in the top ten for me. I genuinely don't understand why people put it top two or three. I really don't. I think there's too much wrong with the structure, the editing, and it's so safety first. But it does feel a bit like a classic Bond film, which we hadn't had for a while. And I think we're 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 going to finish this series now. We've got a bit of a downhill run now. After we were with this section of the podcast, we've had the Living Daylights, License to Kill, and Goldeneye, which we all like to varying degrees. And obviously, we we hit the second half next week, and I don't think anything's as good as any of those. I prefer watching the other Boston entries okay. uh, over than this. Um, but that's not to say I I think they're better in any way. I just think this is just like mm. middle of the road bomb film. Yeah. Uh, I say that and that sounds really redundant. It, sits, it does stand apart from the other Brosnan entries as well. It feels yeah. different. He looks quite different. His hair, his hair in the other three looks a bit different. The way he acts, the role is a bit different. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it, the Brosnan era, even though this is probably his best entry, actually finds its feet next week in that it starts to feel like his run of films, yeah. Which I, I'm I'm fine with those actually, to be honest. But yeah, um, I I I I'm, I'm perfectly okay with it. I just think it could have been better. Um, I yeah, I I I think it would if it if it was the plot was better. If the if the action was a little bit more honed and had a little bit more sort of to it. If it was scripted, edited, and funded as well as it's directed. Mm. I think we... yeah, this will be like the best, no doubt. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, this this would be so high up. But but as it is, it's, as it, it is, it's very good. Yeah, it's it, look, it, it's fine. It, look, it's it's right in the middle. So I'm, I'm I may not even say top ten for me personally, but it's 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 in the middle. It's in it, the middle. If which it does is... for me, it's only just. We're not looking at a film that's going to finish like seventh. Yeah. So. So, well, for a film that's like for a series, Becca that might was, disagree though. Yeah, because it's you're going Becca. What's your what's your final thoughts? Well, is, is my lady's prerogative? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, probably is top ten. I couldn't 
I'm gonna have to throw for a while. I I ranked all of them. I'm gonna have to throw my rankings out the window. Um, but I think it probably is like top ten for me. I mean, it, it does a lot of box ticking. It is born by numbers, but it gives you exactly what you want after a hiatus of six years. Um, and for me, I think you're talking about like how Brosnan looks different. You know, next week when we get to the next film, he looks different in in all of his films. Bizarrely, his hair changes, his, his physique changes. Um, but that's just kind of that's just the nature of him and whatever else he'd been doing at the time. Um, but for me, this is a really good, solid movie. He's got um, real chemistry as a leading lady, probably in so much as kind of like his Bond's equal rather than like a love interest, um, which was by the by. Um, there are some really great lines, very cheesy script, um, but overall really good, solid entry. And for me, it's like number one of Brosnan's movies um, in the Bond canon. It's a good place to I... leave that, actually, because um, I, I know where you used to rank it, but you've left a little bit of amb- ambiguity there. So I'll be very interested when we get to the ranking episodes. Yeah, I, I changed as, it a little bit as, slightly. <laughs> as to what Top Brosnan actually now means. Yeah, that'd be good, interesting. For sure. Yeah, it changes all the time, but that's, this is where I stand at the moment. So Yeah. So, yeah, a, 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 not really an apology, because I don't suppose we're sorry, but I think we're harsher on this film than most of our audience will be, because Goldie Goldeneye it, is a firm It's kind of like me in general, favorite. isn't it? It's yeah. like, yeah, I'm, ha- I'm harsher on uh, the better things for the mistakes it, it, it makes, but kind of on... Yeah, and, and I think as well, Goldeneye, Goldeneye is not only all promise... Um, but it's almost damaged by being the best of the Brosnan era, in that this should have been a springboard to better things. Mm. The very fact that it's his best and it's after a gap leads to it being overpraised. Yeah. And you go, well, no, hang on, it's just because the next three are not that remarkable. Yeah. But they're also, they're also you know, um, products of their time and their circumstances. Yeah. But I think for this one, considering you know, we had the, the six-year gap, it, it does all right. It and does it's like what the first... it needs to do. It exactly. really does. Precisely. I mean, the, the, if you sat down and wrote, what do you, what do we need from a Bond film in the mid nineties? Now you, you, you'd sketch this film out. You know, yeah. classic locations, classic sort of henchwoman with a silly name, and you know, a physical quirk, be it thigh clutching this one. It, you know, it's yeah. we've had the sort of dark side of Bond angle before. We've thrown in a bit of modern technology. We've got uh, a casino scene. We've got Baccarat. We've got Lo- Monte Carlo. We've got warm locations. We've got snow, albeit not Bond in snow. We've got a particularly sort of testy encounter with M. They're always good. So it, it's it's got a cue scene that's humorous, even though I don't like the way it's actually shot. Um so this film ticks all the boxes it needs to. It's not as good as Licence to Kill, but it's more appropriate for its time. Yeah, it's what it That's needs to be. It's what it needs to be. Yeah, what it, needs, it does what it needs to do. Yeah. I mean, so, I, 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 you've I, gone for a new era. I mean, to, I think fair to say in Boston, this is the, the film where he tries the most. He, he, he gives it more on the performance he needs to. I think in the other films, he kind of he's more comfortable. So he just kind of like, he just... He he knows what he's doing, so he knows how to play it, and he just he just comes he just comes into the role in it a bit more. Whereas like here, I, I think there's there's a bit more shades of like of a bit more hardness, a bit more like of, of trying to portray uh, emotion a bit more. Like the scene where, well, supposedly where Ali gets shot, there is a general look of like someone who looks pissed and hurt at the same time. So there is there there is that to his performance. Uh, Plus, you throw in like some sort of good lines as well, like um, like the whole. Uh, my, I think probably my favourite line that directed at Bond is the whole is what Trevelyan says to him. It's the uh, uh, what 
do the all the martinis drown out the the cries of all the men you killed. And I love that. I think yeah. that's a fantastic yeah, that's a really good line. bit of dialogue. All of that. Yeah, it's really self-referential as well. Yeah, which is right. And and also, I think it has a slight hinge of of uh, a nod towards Majesties, with like, and do you find comfort in all in all the women for the dead ones yeah. you failed to protect? And that's kind of like. It's not like oh that's definitely right, Majesties, but it it kind of like it 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 kind of hits home a but bit more. But it is the about... nature of the life. Yeah, yeah. No, lots of references to the other films as well. So yeah, and uh, yeah. So the, there's that there. There's so you have that stuff that has things in it you like, you know. Um, and so it's it's definitely worth your time despite me kind of moaning how it's kind of a bit boring but, <laughs> but <laughs> it's fun watch yeah. it's fun watch yeah it, it, you know, I mean look horses for courses everyone's got their own different opinion about you know about stuff so swings around about yeah I guess <laughs> okay so that's Goldeneye folks I think yeah um, and we yeah again and in all traditional we've talked about the Goldeneye in, and about how long it actually the film actually is about what over two hours yeah, I think we're over two hours. Yeah. With a bit of an edit, it'll be around the two-hour mark, I think. So, yeah. Uh, that's uh, Any last words before we all... Bond will return. Well, Bond will return, yeah. Um, social media. You can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter. Chris? Uh, you can find me at Cinematronics, uh, where you can find this podcast at my website at cinematronics.co.uk. And you can find me uh, at RV Movies, but you can also find us at Expect Us to Talk. Um, on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash expect us to talk. And also expect us to talk at gmail.com. And also YouTube, expect us to talk. You can find us all over the social media. Come see us. I'm looking for us next, next week. Um, I am as well, actually. <laughs> Yeah, we're on Tinder. We're on... <laughs> Grinder. You got to oh, experiment. <laughs> Which way do you swipe? I, I don't even know. So Which way do I swipe? Is that a euphemism? <laughs> I'm strictly bona up. <laughs> so anyway, we will return with tomorrow never dies. <laughs>